Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Natal, that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. Because righteousness governs the world. Come take a musical journey from the suburbs of Long Island to the ghettos of Kingston. A heartbreaking overdose. A disturbing discovery. The last chance to redeem a stolen legacy. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. In the reggae anthem Get Up, Stand Up, the whalers sing, not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. My friend Brian always dreamed he could make the world a better place. Maybe by me telling his story, he still can. Consequence Podcast Network presents Rootsland, Season 1, Reggae Junkie Joe. Whole barrage of righteous people out there. Because sometimes the story is the best song. Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. All in the name of hope. All in the name of hope. All in the name of hope. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. My name is Rockin' Randall Flagburn, and today 
we are here to discuss The Circle Closes, the final episode of CBS All Access's The Stand miniseries. This is a quote-unquote coda written by Stephen King himself, and uh, with me today to discuss it are some real rat men and women. Baby, can you dig this panel? Mike, say hello. Hello, this is Michael. J.K. Simmons is not in this episode. Rothman. He hasn't been in an um, episode in eight episodes. I know. <laughs> what a random call. I figured we'd go all the way back to the beginning. You know, this is the bookend. The this circle the, closes. It, it is. It, right, you it's know, been it does so close. long. It's wild. And I got a little whiplash uh, thinking about it. So, you know. Well, now I should have called myself Randall Cobb Colburn if we're talking about characters that never reappeared after the first episode. <laughs> Your favorite Daniel Sinjata. I love Daniel uh, Sinjata. I was he- hoping for more. Oh, and uh, Jen, why don't you say hello now? Hi, this is Jen Franny Adams. And not the funniest, but I just love my girl. So excited to talk about it. <laughs> love it. Franny and the Well Adams over here. The original title of this that's episode. Right. How about that? That's true. Franny and the Well. Yeah, that's what I said originally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a better one. <laughs> uh, Max, say hello. This is Wolfman. Why? Why are we doing this, <laughs> Gerber? And um, really excited to talk about the wrap up and uh, the series. Uh, are we going to do a wrap up of the whole of this? Uh, yeah, I think we can do, do it at the end. We can do a little talk about you know our general talk. feelings on the uh, series as a whole. Um, a little, uh, you know, uh, extended final thoughts section. So, cool. But let's begin by talking about The Circle Closes in a little section we call The Road So Far. Here in the road so far, we chronicle the road so far, specifically as it pertains to Stephen King's The Stand miniseries from <laughs> CBS All Access. Uh, in this episode, we sort of, I think, well, A, this is a dream episode for Jen because we get lots of skin from the big boys, uh, Ooh, the Mars yes. and Stars. So uh, we can talk more about that later, but, and we will. But let's <laughs> yes. talk about, I, you know, I think what we sort of get here is we trade one journey for another. So mm-hmm. the book ends uh, with, well, it doesn't end end, but, you know, we, we kind of follow Stu and Tom Cullen on their journey uh, back to Boulder, which is a huge chunk of sort of the final part of the book and something I think a lot of us, I think most of us enjoy that section. Love um, that section. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Especially on my most recent reread, I found myself warming to it even more. I think I remember when I first read it when I was a kid, I was a little bit like, you know, get to the fireworks factory. Uh, yeah. But but now I, I, now I enjoy Poochie it. reference? Yeah. <laughs> What are and, they going to um, get to the fireworks? <laughs> she starts crying. Which is like, all, honestly, like a, a pretty lame thing because literally a nuke just went off. So the fireworks happened. But yeah. then yeah. I just, I really wanted them to get back to Boulder. Uh, but, and so we get that here and we don't see any of Tom and Stu's journey back. It's uh, more so about uh, the episode opens with Fran monologuing to her her now born child, and we learn that the child uh, got Captain Trips, but was able to recover, and that the babies that are being born between couples who are immune are also immune. So good news for civilization, but um, but yeah, then they she sort of attends a you know gathering amongst the people, and uh, Stu and Tom show up. Uh, happy times. He meets the baby Abigail, and um, 
<laughs> and Tom, like, roll, roll, Tom, like, Tom just like sits in a chair and nobody talks to him. And I'm just like, I know. I know. Like the most thrown away character of all time. Uh, so uh, what do we think about, I guess, I don't know. Did we, I guess maybe we should start by saying, did we miss uh, the Tom Stew journey here? Uh, what do you guys think? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think for me, it's, we get a lot of that, obviously, with the 1994 miniseries. And I was thinking about it and that, you know, I do love those sections in the book. It's first blood they watch in the, in the hotel, right? When they, they set up so. the, the movie, uh, yeah. I, which I, I love that scene because they like go to the abandoned movie theater and then they they take they set it up I think in the lobby of the hotel like, like all that stuff I love and I was actually kind of hoping that we saw it, but at the same time if we were really only going to get like one story here for this one episode, mm-hmm. I am glad that we managed to get something that's totally uni- unique and different, you know, yeah. and also yeah. a- works as an extension for the novel and is able to kind of feel like almost like a, a comeuppance of sorts for characters that didn't necessarily get a finished arc in the the novel which is why i think king wanted to come back and rewrite this and mm-hmm. so in that respect i'm i'm pretty happy but i mean it is pretty wild that they do take out a huge chunk of the book but i guess at this point in the miniseries we shouldn't be too surprised by that you know yeah um, i think for me it's it's you know I, when i said they swap one journey for another i think it's kind of like they couldn't do both you know and i think mm-hmm. with yeah. with the thrust of this series where the focus where franny has really been you know and she always has been a main character, but I think here they especially posited her as a protagonist of the series. Um, I think they really did. You know, they essentially said we can see Stu and Tom or we can see Stu and Franny. And um, and I think two Journey episodes like this perhaps wouldn't work side by side. So, um, so yeah, I can see the, de- the reason for the decision, uh, but at the same time, I couldn't help but mourn a little bit because I just feel like we learn a lot about Stu. We learn about a lot about Tom, and Tom sort of gets to put a bow on his relationship with Nick. Um Although that wasn't particularly well explored here. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Mac, uh, thoughts on the opening here and, um, you know, uh, the lack of Stu and Tom? Uh, You know, I really like actually the opening with the baby and Mm -hmm. seeing all that kind of play out like we do uh, a bit in the book. Um, You know, and obviously giving Franny more, more to do is always nice. And I really, I liked that whole sequence. You know, it was funny when, when she went to the vigil, at uh right before Stu and Tom walk in, uh, it really felt like the season finale of Leftovers. Have you all seen that? I've not seen yeah, it. I know. Just like the way, just like the ambience, just kind of everything. Anyways, but um, yes, and I agree. I agree with y'all. If if you weren't gonna have uh, Stu and Tom's journey, obviously it's cool to trade it because we've not seen the coda done in this elaborate sense um something that we've just posited in the past i you know it sucks i w- I, I was really like oh man but but i really wanted to see this uh you know the tom and nick scene and i was like no they weren't gonna do that because they barely it wouldn't right. be like a big deal if nick came back they'd be like who's this guy you might not remember, <laughs> remember remember uh johnny depp over here yeah so i i was okay <laughs> i was okay that they didn't do that i thought it was inter- an interesting kind of switch um, to pivot. Yeah. Mike, what were you going to yeah. say? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if they were going to do the Tom and Stu thing, they really could have done it in the last episode. I mean, we didn't really get too much tension with Stu in the Valley there, you know, as much as they probably thought they were giving us with the, you know, the wolf attacking Kojak and yada, yada, yada. I think honestly, if it had been where, you know, Tom manages to find Stu at the beginning of that episode and we see their journey in conjunction with what's going on in Vegas. And at the end, mm. then we see them basically witnessing the explosion. 
I think that would give us a like lend a little more gravitas to the the ability the, the the idea that Tom comes and saves him and they go back to Boulder because you know there's no again there's no real tension in the last episode with Stu in the valley and and that's and I'm trying to kind of dismiss the fact that I know what's going to happen because you know we were familiar with the book and the story but there's just so little that why didn't you just have it where Tom and him are journeying back to Boulder. So that way you, when they get here in the end of this, the, this coda or the beginning of this coda, you kind of have some sort of connective tissue. It's just, I guess in hindsight, that's something I would have probably done, but we yeah. needed more Vegas, Mike, <laughs> we needed more dancing and, uh, and drowning. Um, we need a more everything on this. Yeah. I was, really that's did. what I was about to say, Jen. And, and then yeah. we'll pivot into, I want to talk about, you know, crazy. Franny, what Franny, Franny's sort of uh, monologue to her, her uh, daughter, which yeah. I think is, is really lovely for the most part. But yeah, I think it is funny because I remember we might have even talked about it on the pod, but I know you and I talked about it over text, Mike, which is, uh, you know, you were just basically like, well, the code is an entirely new episode. And I for me, I always thought that it was more of like, you know, a third, a new third act. And the rest of the episode was going to be more in line with the book. So um so, but so in a way, because I remember you saying, Mike, you were like, well, essentially that only gives us eight episodes to tell this entire mm-hmm. story. And you turned out to be correct in that, you know, which uh, like, so it still just boggles my mind that we didn't get at least one more episode because it does feel so truncated and so compressed that, I mean, because I feel like when it was first announced, it was 10 was episodes. Say, it was and 10 and so I don't know if it was a COVID thing. Like, maybe it was a COVID thing and they had to, like, I don't know. Maybe there were some key scenes they just couldn't film and they had to condense some stuff. I don't know. So, well, you know. it's really hard to tell because so much of it was kept from us. I mean, like, yeah. and I'm not saying that as a, you know, like, uh, deception or something like that. I'm just talking about the way this was rolled out. I mean, I only really remember, like, two pivotal moments in this entire press run in which we got the announcement and, and true confirmation of the cast of stuff that we kind of already heard whispers of. And then the allotment of episodes mysteriously changed. I want to say like earlier this year. So I think it might've been a COVID thing, but at the same time, based on our conversations with uh, Benjamin Cavell, you know, from a few episodes and then also today, which you can see in the feed, it seems like everything was pre-planned out this way. Yeah. When I spoke to him as well, he was, I think the talking point is very much, this is exactly what we wanted. And um, so yeah. I don't know if it's a talking. Which, I mean, yeah, I don't know if this is. If a- you say it's not, like you're inviting the well, why? Like yeah. the Snyder Cut situation. Well, it just make sense you know? that I felt like somehow they had what? How many more hours than the original miniseries to tell the story? And I still felt like I got more from the miniseries. Yeah, I think yeah. they only it's really weird. got like I think we did the math in the first episode or first or second episode of this recap. So I think it was only like maybe an hour and a half to maybe two hours more. Yeah, no really fucking way. Yeah, the, because the, the four, you have four is like episodes. an hour and thirty minute each episode. But right? they also, but they, yeah, but there's four of them, and when you take the forty five minutes here, it, it's not too different when you really actually oh, I guess spread that's them out. Right, they weren't like full hour episodes, no. right? Yeah, yeah, not all of them. I mean, I think the pilot might be, or the pilot, the the premiere might yeah. be the, <laughs> the like pilot. The 55 Hope we get yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, let's wrap Stand it up. Um, um, yeah, so I don't know. It's still just, yeah, just I feel like it had to have been a COVID thing or something. I don't know because it just it just feels like, yeah, it just feels like you know an hour would have gone so far and just allowing the story to maybe breathe a little bit more. Of course, as we've said many times and on it, the pod, like three seasons would have been even better. <laughs> what were you saying, Jen? Yeah. Right. 
Well, I was going to say, it feels like they did cut it because, like, there's no scenes of Tom and Stu together, like, not even a glimpse. So maybe it was, like, it feels like they just didn't shoot it for whatever yeah. reason. And, like, if the problem that I have the the most with missing that is I feel like they just kind of threw Tom away in the mm-hmm. story um, because like, Absolutely. yes, I love that part, but it doesn't really add anything to the story. I just like it because I love those characters. And after reading like a thousand pages with them, like I just wanted more and it's like, there's no stakes. It's like, they're just getting to be friends together, but it doesn't like, really change anything Mm -hmm. but the thing that really bugged me was when Stu was saying goodbye and Franny had more of a connection with Tom like when they were saying goodbye than Stu did and Mm -hmm. I was like he just saved your life like can you not like but we don't get that from the the show at all you know you wouldn't wouldn't know he walks in on crutches and you're just left to assume that Tom found right. him because I think I think what what is it you hear Kojak when Tom's Mm -hmm. in the desert at one point Mm -hmm. so you just assume that but and then they just show up, and he's like, "Stu yeah. save or Tom saved my life," yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the Nick Andros thing is even more particular or peculiar because you have this friendship bond that's created that's really actually uh, emotionally palpable. I mean, we talked about it in yeah. that recap episode that you know I even got a little teary eyed when they leave, but then that's it. You know, I mean, I'm not to say I I, I don't really. <laughs> I was actually kind of looking forward to like an upgrade on the very Hallmarkian touch by an angel sequence when Rob Lowe <laughs> comes back with like the flu medicine. But like at least yeah, something just, like I they, think they also kind of decided to not do that probably because, you know, I, I don't know. I think they made they made Tom much more able in this one. So mm-hmm. I feel like that mm-hmm. scene would have been kind of strange. You know, like I think if they trust him to do all this stuff in Vegas, like couldn't he find some aspirin? You know what I mean? Like I think <laughs> right. I don't know if they. I think they just decided maybe to pass on that sequence. But at least and again, some though, sort of reunion. I don't think though. that they developed him and Nick enough at all. Yeah, they were in yeah. one no. episode together, and then when they and then they're like leaving each other already. But they were in the same like, jacket. What are we doing here? Yeah, like, it, it impacted me on a on a level. But that's because I've read it. I've seen the miniseries all stuff. But for someone coming in brand new, like. That is super like quick. That yeah. relationship. I know. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder if they were afraid to because like if we look at the three like differently abled characters in the story, we've got Trash Can Man and we've got Tom and we've got Nick and all three of them I feel like weren't really developed and I wonder if they were afraid to do that. And my argument to showrunners all over the world is like you need to show us more because that's what gives us the context and that's what keeps the characters from being caricatures mm-hmm. because we see more of them being just human beings you know so yeah it's my little quibble no i think that's fair i mean because yeah. honestly that's i mean look at look you know i've mentioned breaking bad a lot mark your bingo but, cards <laughs> you know like walt's son and that that's a whole fully developed arc that they that they have in there and it's, you know that mm-hmm. that's just you know it's a disabled character and you really get the the the, the conflicts and that you get with walt jr in there and it doesn't seem like this like sort of token addition to the story at all and i guess someone that's coming into this that hasn't read the book and you know is just watching it at face value it could seem a little like i think peculiar is the only word i could think of you know Mm -hmm. well what's what 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 else is this character supposed to be doing you know like give me something Mm -hmm. else and but then again i think you could probably make the argument for for that for every supporting character that's not like (laughs) 
you know, Franny or Harold or or any of the ones that got a fully developed arc. Um, yeah. You know, so. Well, those are the two that got fully developed arc. Yeah. yeah seriously. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah. this episode began, I think, with the message that I've always really taken from the end of the stand, um, which, you know, I think sort of the 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 thoughts that I leave the book musing about, which is the general idea of are we even able to change? We have a fresh start but are we going to just do everything the same again? Because mm-hmm. the same brought mm-hmm. us to here. Are we just going to keep doing the same thing and hope that it works out different this time? And I like I like that monologue and I'm glad it's included. And I like sort of some of the scenes we get where they show, you know, the cops handing out guns to the patrol and, and things of that nature. And it's sort of like, okay, we're just going to arm people again and build up law enforcement again and and you know kind of adhere to all of these old rules of government and law and order which clearly you know have not been horribly effective <laughs> over the course of this country's history <laughs> um mm-hmm. so it's so i like that she explores those ideas and i like that she also acknowledges that is this so ingrained in us are we even able to deviate from it um so i don't know i guess for me the episode goes on to sort of explore, uh, you know, King sort of in- includes this coda that essentially to me felt pretty redundant, like thematically um, in terms of touching on this idea of like the idea stand, you know, uh, it, I don't know. How did you guys feel about that opening monologue and the way the rest of the episode unfolded? Did you see sort of a dovetailing with those ideas or did they feel separate what do you guys think Jen I loved it um I did kind of see a dovetail yeah and I mean just full disclosure this is one of an element of King's writing that I am really like I forgive a lot of flaws because it's something that really resonates with me I don't know if it was it was a little schmaltzy but like I first of all sobbed all the way through that beginning Mm -hmm. scene where Franny is like talking to writing to her child um Baby A, as I will call her. You said and, Kid A. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The, the kid, kid A is someone else. That's, that's, that's Kid A yeah. is later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. And I one of the things that I really liked about it is she opens it with um, not all stories have happy endings and not all stories even end. And that is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently in the last couple of years is that I don't really think there are happy endings. I think it's just when you choose to stop telling the story. And I loved that we continued this story. We saw the well imagery, which I can probably talk later about how I feel about Mm -hmm. that. But what I love about it is that it, I feel like it kind of updates that everything is just laying around because he says that over and over He says everything is just laying around waiting to be picked back up. But the element here is that it takes a human being to choose whether to pick it up or not. Mm. And I think that's what we see Franny kind of wrestling with is, yes, all of the stuff is still there. But the, the way that the story doesn't end is we either choose to pick everything back up or we choose to be different. Mm -hmm. And that's what I liked about it and what I saw dovetail. And yeah, Yeah, I like that. I mean, I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about in our interview that you'll you'll probably listen to after this is that this <laughs> this episode really does come at a spiritually uh, similar time. Um, you know, without getting too political, <laughs> we are at, at a time in our country where we do need to have some sort of reunification, and there 
the idea of, well, are we going to just kind of fall back on the same mistakes that we did before, or are we going to learn from them and, and, and go forward, is something that I think is very prescient right now that I think King absolutely flex that muscle while writing this episode because we all know that he's incredibly political so I could see him definitely leaning into that into this episode but one of the things I like about that is that it it certainly aids the 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 theme that I can see being redundant and that good and evil is always going to exist cause a wheel like mm-hmm. we that's that's pretty much King's MO and that's certainly what he ultimately concludes with this episode and the idea that we still have a choice in that matter is ultimately what makes it, it gives it sort of that distinctive edge in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree, Randall, in the sense that like, I could see it no matter, I agree with both of you actually. Like I could see no matter how you pivot, you could see the redundancies, but then you could also kind of see like, well, th- this does add a little bit more nuance to the ending um, that we, you know, that we might not have gotten originally in, you know, 78 or was it 1990 when he re- released the expanded version? Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm thematically, I'm both for and, and, and also kind of wanting a little bit more out of it, but I don't know. That's, yeah. I, well, what he offers here with this coda is he gives Franny a choice, which she hasn't mm-hmm. really had mm-hmm. in yeah. the book. Um, she gets to choose between, you know, whether she wants to sell her soul or remain true to her family and her vision of, of life going forward. Um, so, yeah, I think that's actually a good point, uh, a lot of what you guys are saying. And so it does offer her to make that choice on her own and to come away a little bit wiser. And so in that sense, I think that that's really positive. And I'm really excited to talk about sort of her temptation in the woods with Randall Flagg, which we'll get to in a moment. But Mac, uh, thoughts on on the evolution of these themes. Yeah, I I, I, <clears throat> I was really conflicted because I, I I liked what they were doing, but it did feel like so on the nose in this episode when before it was not that, you know, because they were being so vague mm-hmm. with all the dreams and stuff initially. So it was kind of like, it kind of felt like they're hitting over the head with it a little bit, but I was interested yeah. in seeing what they were what because it was all new you know so i was for the most part you know i mean some of it was interwoven with some some bits and pieces from the book but i don't know i mean i i was interested in what they were what what king was trying trying to do and i do see the similarities with like the world today so i i i I can understand people projecting more into this episode than it probably deserves yeah (laughs) but i think but i think that's i think that's present this entire season to be honest like i think Mm -hmm. i you know just listening to like the last episode like i think i agreed with everybody and 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 what everybody was saying pretty much but when it got to the end i felt like the 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 stars there at the end i was like the noses i was like i think everybody's like taking this and putting their own thing into it but you know what that's what you're supposed to do yeah so (laughs) i I, I can't i couldn't really like jump on anybody about it and i feel like that with this episode like you're gonna take away what you want to take away um i think um, i'm similar to jen in that yeah yeah a lot of me is a lot of my like i don't know my history is tied up in and my emotional kind of fabric is tied up in this book Mm because i read it at such a pivotal Mm -hmm. age and so i and I've, i've said that on the pod i've been giving a lot of a lot of leeway i think to this story and i will admit that 
I felt, especially rewatching it today, I felt a certain amount of melancholy that I was leaving yes. this world. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Really? Like even, yeah. Like I know, <laughs> like, but I think I it's, <laughs> I think it's just because like, I know I'm probably never going to see another adaptation of this. Mm. Um, mm. And I love this book so much, even though I've kind of said, like, the thing is I have softened on a little bit. It used to be my favorite King and now it's, you know, I, it's, not but because there's I think stuff I struggle with as I've gotten older but it still means like so much to me and so watching it today and watching them leave Boulder like and being in the car and driving and sort of like carving out this new path through America I genuinely was feeling this kind of like melancholy that was hard to shake and it, a lot of it I think had to do with my own memories of the book it's kind of like how I struggled I, I was very hesitant almost to hit play when I got the screeners because I'm like okay we're beginning this you know like yeah. I've been looking forward to this for so so long and I've wanted yeah. a, a different definitive version of this story for so long and I just want it to be good and now that it's like you know it is it, we're at the end and I, I, I it's hard for me to say whether it's good or bad I don't think I can really do that I think for me there's so much I liked and then there's so much I really didn't like mm -hmm. that it's um it's a complex sort of thing and I I don't get that feeling when I watch a lot of other shows even though this show is isn't nearly as good as a lot of other things that I really love but uh yeah there was a unique sense of loss I felt kind of with this ending I, yeah I had a very similar feeling and I, and I think a lot of it came down to the fact that I think it's twofold for me I think it's one for the same reason you outlined that it, it this is it <laughs> i mean it's kind of like what we were talking about with the dark tower i mean like probably not going to see that be you know attempted to be adapted in a very long time but especially this <laughs> one know. because i mean look at the long road towards this project and mm -hmm. it's it i mean this is this is it's in the public consciousness now it's not like the, the ip is kind of you know dated to probably 40 years at this point before they try to even do an adaptation or whatever and especially there's something to be said about this coming down during a pandemic so now you have that sort of delineation or designation with this series that i think is always going to follow it and so that mm -hmm. and i wonder how that's going to be looked at you know 20 30 years when they're thinking well hey uh you know king's been dead for about 25 years why don't we uh, do the stand again and hey, hey, you know like no. uh, he will live forever uh he'll be putting a robot like in a you know futurama but i but i but i but it's but the one thing i also started thinking about is that and this is something that happens to me with every holiday i get very nostalgic for those times you know and like when this came out this is right around the holidays and granted the holidays sucked this year because it was during the pandemic, but it still was during a time where like of rest and, and us being festive. And it, it made me sad to think like it's been that long away, you know, we're that mm -hmm. far away from yeah. it. We're in the beginning of the year. And I think that also had to do with a little bit of it for me because I just think back like when we were watching the premiere together and how exciting that was. And then now it's like, yeah. oh, that's done. It's over. So I, there's I, I'm, I'm with you in that because there's a melancholic wash to this even on the rewatch i had yeah um, yeah i don't know yeah i'm ready, uh, <laughs> I'm ready <for laughs> Max, i know you're ready <laughs> yeah, well here's Max. my thing with that is like and i totally understand all that that makes total sense to me what you guys are saying but for me i've not really liked this at all the whole time for the most part <laughs> you like so, the first episode though right so you're in on the first that's week one out of nine episodes and it's the first episode and yes i still think that's the best episode <laughs> So the thing is, is that... Oh, it is. Yeah, like, I think it is. You know, leaving the world or, or leaving like these recaps and stuff like, yeah, I get that. But like, that's not the show. 
you know, like missing the times at which I watched it in, even though it's during the pandemic. No, I don't. First of all, I don't miss those times. <laughs> Second of all, I don't. I'm not associating it with and All I'm associating it with is just is being frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> during the watches of some of this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm ready for the next King King. Uh, King show, got King f- book, King whatever. Fucking but Paul Sheldon over here getting angry at, uh, <laughs> you know. The thing is, though, is that during the episodes, you know, I'm watching it and like I am connecting. Like I am very, I'm a very empathetic person. And I feel like when I watch television shows, like I have a hard time crying about like real stuff happening. But like I will get really invested in the character and I will yeah. tear up if they do it correctly or well. And I've teared up in the show at a, at a, at a couple moments. But I'll still admit that the episode sucked. But like, you know, they're doing, they're doing some things correctly yeah mm-hmm. i just felt like i liked this episode because i wanted to, i was really invested because i was like wow what are they gonna do and it was also one of those things where th- the successes with this show has been when they've deviated from the mm-hmm. book and the because th- as a avid you know fan of the book and of the miniseries anytime they walked away from that i was like "Ooh, what's gonna happen like i was exactly. really invested mm-hmm. and interested so i was really excited about this episode and and i was engaged the entire time i'll give it that it was entertaining all the way through will i miss it will i rewatch it now you guys have rewatched these episodes because you're reviewing it and you're doing certain things i don't think i'm ever gonna go back and watch this again yeah and if i do Maybe, maybe on that day, 20 years from now, and I go back and rewatch this, I will write you all a letter and say, you know, <laughs> I, I miss it. I was misled. I was, I was just going to say. <laughs> but I can't be this. Stu- yeah, right. Yeah. It'll be right. that. It'll just be that, though, from the miniseries. It won't be like, you know, you guys letter. are actually Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Signed the miniseries. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Let's. Uh, did we feel the fingerprints of King on this uh, in terms of the story? Actually, let me, <laughs> yeah. before we, yeah, I did Better too. Better or worse. <laughs> yeah, yes. and we'll talk about that. Uh, I guess first, let's just, I, I know everyone's watched it, but I think just, because the, the plot's so simple, we can just run it down. Essentially, yeah. you know, yeah. Franny and Stu leave Boulder. They want to go back to Maine. She wants to see the ocean, her childhood home, everything like that. And uh, so they hit the road, everything's going well. And then they stop at a place in Nebraska uh, like just a little farmhouse in a in a town called Lorton, Nebraska, which I looked up and it's real and it has a uh, a population of only forty one. Holy so, yeah. shit! Oh, really? Wow. Definitely yeah. a tiny little town. And uh, so yeah, they they shack up there. Uh, Stu goes to get supplies. <laughs> uh, Franny's there with Abigail ba- or Baby A and um and Kojak, who they brought Kojak, which is pretty cool. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of well, glad that. they they took in that well, dog because they, they were they were. They were getting ready for a sequel series. Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, and then they they go there. And then while Stu's out, Franny ends up falling in this well while trying to get uh, water out of it. Falls to the bottom. Is clearly not in good shape. And then she sort of has one of these very Kingian um, internal realities that form where there's kind of this, you know, these warring factions of good and evil that sort of exist within her head. And so she's basically confronted with Randall Flagg in this kind of jungle atmosphere, which we find out later um, because they're sort of tying it to the the native tribe that um, that appears at the end of the episode that's also at the end of the book. And basically, Randall Flagg tempts her and says, like, you're in bad shape and you're going to die and your baby's going to be alone and you and I can help you. I can heal you, but you have to, you know, essentially he wants to possess her. He says, you know, uh, just let me look through your eyes now and then. And uh, which is an eerie phrase, and I like that. Yeah. But, um... Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then she, you know, eventually stand. She makes her stand, and she says, "No dice, pal." Uh, runs into Mother <laughs> Abigail and the corn, 
runs into Mother Abigail in the corn, has a little chat, and then uh, and then all the while there's been sort of the hint that there's a girl living in the corn, perhaps a child living in the corn. Um, uh, children of the corn, maybe. <laughs> Jesus, oh, and, boy. Uh, a reference. And we could talk more about all of the various references later, but yeah. Can't and wait. so there's this um, young black girl who's living in the corn, and then when Stu arrives, he finds Franny in the well. This girl kind of helps him, like orders him around, tells him what to do to get her out. They use the winch to pull her out of the well, and then uh, Fran's injuries are miraculously healed by this little girl who is powered by god or something um and it's really <laughs> bizarre and we'll talk more about it yeah lots of hand mike's doing some hand motions here uh and then um they make it to maine everything's happy uh and she has some very king dialogue that is great on the page and horrible when it comes out of somebody's mouth you can see odessa working so hard to make those lines yeah. work I about know. like the circle closing and everything it's the it's the I kind of text of that yeah it's the kind of text that <laughs> king would usually not frame through like a character's mouth but would use it as like his narrative and that would be the ending it would be really moving and beautiful <laughs> but, yes, but when exactly. it's when it's yeah. like a character's mouth it doesn't sound as great um so yeah i guess yeah. let's talk about and that's the end of the series well except for the randall flag oh. bar which we can talk about later so essentially i guess what kind of fingerprints of king do we see on this uh, as opposed to the rest of the series um I, let's start with the good what is what are the good king things that we see here well i mean i think for the one f- I think what really works for this is the fact that it feels like a standalone short story. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's done this before where he's done this sort of kind of quote unquote sequelizing short story. I mean, we see it in night shift with Salem's lot and that's what this kind of reminded me of. This reminded me of like on the road vein in which you're going back into familiar narratives that feel um, adjacent, Mm -hmm. you know, but also add to the actual narrative at hand. Um, and, and that's kind of what I love about this is that I love how standalone it feels because not only does that work in just feeling like a, sh- a Stephen King short story, but it also shows us that, once again, and this is something we've been touting all along, God, could you imagine if we had more standalone episodes like this, you know, yeah. in a, in a three-season show? And so yeah. in that sense, like, I think the success rate for that is high. Um, and that's the good thing I'll say about the, the Kingian stamp. <laughs> Uh, what else do you guys have in terms of positive Kingian aspects of this? Well, there's the well, <laughs> yeah. which is, I think, my favorite part of it. And I was because that's something that he comes back to in some of my favorites of his books um, in the Eclipse books with uh, Jesse Burlingame and Dolores. Yep. And then um, in 1922, yeah. there's the well and then there's the rat yeah. as a part of the well. And so I was the second time I was watching, I was really trying to think, like, what does the well represent here and what is... What does King see as the well? And we were talking to um, Benjamin Cavell today, and he was talking about how it's like healing and life giving, and you need water, and that's like the the blood of life is this like life giving water. And I think what I see, and Franny kind of wraps this up at the end, is she says like the well is darkness, and the well is pain, and it's trauma, and it's the things that you don't want to admit to yourself. And I think when we look at it thematically through Jesse like she talks about her trauma as being a well and she goes down into it and then Dolores like pushes her husband into the well and that's oh gosh I'm spoiling we've covered these we, books before, I feel though, like right? if we've covered the books uh we we tr- we're, we're good we're less careful okay. about spoilers but yeah 
Well, and so that is her husband at the bottom of the well is this thing that lives with her and that she is not always afraid of, but it's like her dark secret, you know, and I'm not going to say anything else about 1922 because we haven't covered that yet. But like when I'm looking at Franny falling down into the well, I think she and this is I will fully admit I project all over the place with things. And that's part of why I love King is I think he gives us room for that. But like when I think about Franny falling down in the well, I think she has been through this massive trauma. And I don't know if the show ever fully explored how like everybody's lives were completely ripped apart and turned upside down. And that would be extremely traumatic. And so she gets through all of these things and then it feels like it's the end and we're just going to move on. And yeah, we got this great truck, but I think this is like the realization that it is still really scary and she's on her own and she could die Mm -hmm. and, or she could be tempted and she could be the bad thing that she was trying to leave. And I think like her coming out of the well is her just facing that fear and saying, okay, this exists. I can admit that this exists and that this is something I can be afraid of, but I can stand up and not be afraid of it yeah. anymore. And yeah. I hate to be saccharine. No, and, you no. Know, I mean, I- project my stuff, but that's what I, that's what I really connect. And I think King talks about that a lot in his yeah. work. So that's, that's the stamp I see. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I think a, I, I really love everything you're saying and we'll touch on that more in a moment. I think for me, in terms of the Kingian aspects that, were good is I actually felt like some of the dialogue had a bit of more of a spark to it than yeah. than I think some of the the show's dialogue and you could see sort of the the good folksy aspects like I kind of loved it when he when he put the you know holster on or whatever and called her yes. Franny Oakley it was like a yeah. small moment that was just it was lovely I, I I that felt like an intimate funny moment between two people whose relationship I believe you know and um so there were moments like that where I really, uh, I really bought the relation. I know I saw a spark and a folksiness to the relationship that that landed to me a lot more than I think a lot of perhaps the more labored, um, you know, dramatic dialogue that you get in other episodes. And King's always King, you know, he's obviously can write very uh, hackneyed, you know, sort of um, emotional, dramatic, melodramatic dialogue. But he also is very good at sort of casual interactions between people that reveal a lot about, uh, you know, how they act in the in the most casual moments, too. And what really brings a couple together is those small moments. And he captures those really well. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. But it did become very... Um, I don't know. There was a there was some corniness to a lot of it too, which I think is especially endemic of of Latter Day King. Um, in that, you know, and I I don't necessarily hold it against him. When I'm his age, I'll probably be really corny too and talk a lot about, <laughs> uh, you know, very simple concepts of because you know I think when you get older you learn more and more that as far as nuanced and everything is a lot of times um, those old kind of very simple folk sayings uh, about what's good and what's not. Uh, they ring a little bit truer, I think, when you get older. And so, uh, yeah, so there were there was that. Um, but yeah, I guess let's talk a little bit about the appearance of this child. Um, and <laughs> we're all kind of making faces. What did we think was really going on here? Why was there a child in the corn? Why is she possessed with a divine power? And why is she so invested in Franny and Stu? And why does she know their names? Um, And why did she know the baby was teething? Things of that nature. What is going on with this character who really appears out of nowhere? Is this a... Well, she's... She's Mother Abigail, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think they were trying to say she was... Like just as just as flag is never really gone, 
Yeah. Neither is Mother Abigail. Mother Abigail, but Mother <laughs> Abigail wasn't. I thought we were going against that, saying she wasn't supposed to be this kind of character. So I don't think they know. Well, yeah, I think I think I saw some people in the Discord talking about the idea of secularizing this series, and I do think it has. We've talked a lot about that on the pod, but there was really some Christian shit going on with that whole aspect. I mean, Mac, what you're saying is, you know, we all kind of agreed that do not deify Mother Abigail, and this episode yeah. very much deified Mother Abigail, um, and. Because this is not supposed to be her, but someone, I, someone official needs to tell us that. I know, I, but it, but it I, seems like all signs are pointed at that, uh, though. Like, I mean, when you think to know yeah. everybody, well, um, yeah, and, like and it's all, one thing to show up in a dream, mm-hmm. but to show up mm-hmm. and then physically heal wounds, uh, <laughs> you know how to drive a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I she know. knows their names. She knows. I mean, th- th- yeah, there's a the there's an inherent wisdom that, that oh, wait, you go ahead, speak, Mike. Well, there's like an inherent wisdom that speaks to the trope that they've we've been kind of slamming the show against, and like the show itself has spoke out against. That I, I mean, I just remember I watched these screeners before anyone, and I turned to Sammy and I go, "I can't believe he fucking doubled down on the magical Negro trope." Yeah. Yes. Like, I can't fucking believe it. Like, it, it's it's baffling to me. Like, it, it is legit baffling to me. Mm-hmm. And it's the one negative strike, honestly, that I have against this entire episode. Because otherwise, I actually think it's great. I actually think thematically, it really works. And I get what he's trying to say with this, with Kid A, as, as Jen has, uh, has, has, <laughs> has called her uh, in the text. And it's just weird to me. Because but Mike, when you say you know what he's knowing, you when you say you know what he's trying to do with it, what is he trying to do with it? I think he's trying to do the whole cause a wheel thing. Uh-huh. I really do. I yeah. think that he's trying to not only lean on the idea that you know, if like what Mac was saying, if Ma- if flag is is coming around, so is also the goodness that is Mother Abigail, which not only makes this even more good and evil without any sort of blurred lines there, but also. It, 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 it exactly what you're saying it, it, it deifies a character that this show even before it aired was trying to sit they were working you know against and in that sense it's it's convoluted and i don't know if he's trying to get away with it by also leaning on his own lore by setting this in nebraska and basically kind of assuming like the idea that well abigail always existed there and maybe she's one of the children or you know maybe she's the opposite of he who you know walks behind the the rose and maybe he's trying to hide but he's trying to lean on his own sort of king mythology to kind of get away with it i don't care bottom line (laughs) and at face value this is dubious stuff especially nowadays like i yeah. get it if you know you can make you know we could talk about how it was written in the 70s but like nowadays like you kind of kind of know better right i mean it's, you gotta well, i thought when they first introduced her and the fact that she was living in the cornfield and as you know as king fans we're, we all associate that with bad yes. things yeah i yeah. thought what they were trying to do was that instead of flag coming back like he does at the end of this, of it, of the book, stuff that he comes back as what they put their faith in, which was Mother Ooh. Abigail. You know what I mean? Like that he'd come back as this little girl who's innocent, who 
wouldn't no one would suspect you know and all that stuff so i thought that she was because she seemed to know all their names and she knew everything and i was like and it was creepy i mean i've i felt more suspense in the first like 10 15 minutes of this episode than i did the entire series 100 all that was all that was was them showing up at an at a empty house yep. and then a couple of, of still shots on corn yeah. So yeah. With Kojak you don't going have to work hard. I was texting yeah. Mike. I was well, like, yeah, well, Kojak, Kojak always scares me. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, Kojak Ooh. always scares me. But yeah, yeah. I, so I, I felt like, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. God, I wish they, I and wish I was really case, like Max. open yeah. to what was going to happen because I, I didn't know what they were going to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, I'm going to project uh, and say yeah. that that is what they're doing because I like that reading of it better like yeah. when the the whole cross necklace reveal happened like i kind of saw that with a thunderclap and i was like i like i like that they're presenting this loosely enough that i could read that maybe this is maybe she's not a good force maybe it's just like a balance to flag but not in a good or bad direction um but i think the thing the it's it is offensive like it's a she is a magical negro and i also want to say there's also the song buffalo gals in this episode Mm -hmm. which is a song um from blackface minstrelsy and part of my day job is to look at the history behind some of these folk songs and this is a song that is being taken out of curriculums and being like not used by the educational community because it has racist Mm. undertones and so to have that in an episode with kid a as a magical negro character just felt like you come on you have to like you have to know about these things and we talked about this with the green mile episode like i can kind of give him a pass because i feel like his heart is in the right place in the 90s but now like he's read reviews of the green mile surely like that is something that he if he doesn't know about he should know about yeah when i think about sorry yeah go ahead Well, I was going to say, when I think about, like, whether it works in this episode or not, I think it does. And I think the reason, aside from everything I just said, um, I think if I can fault anybody for Kid A not working, it's the show and not Stephen Mm. King. Because I think he is writing this from the perspective of his book, where he does have a clearer understanding of what Mother Abigail is. And he kind of does deify her. And I think the show did not and really stayed away from that and the two just don't marry with each other yeah i agree and just the cross reveal to me was kind of astounding i was like yeah i know i'm just like now you're gonna get like explicitly christian because the cross Mm -hmm. is a a christian symbol it's not like just a spiritual symbol and um right so i don't know it was i struggle with that mac what were you gonna say yeah sorry oh i was just gonna say i think like like you were saying the buffalo gals song should have been pulled right because of stuff that's coming out about the origins of that yeah no i'm not saying i'm just pulled, saying that's just, what you're saying though right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. it is um I, and i yeah. i'm, I'm considered like, and, and now. yeah they someone someone the many this isn't like it's not like it's not like i went out in the backyard and filmed this okay <laughs> right exactly there's people it's not like king double, is the only one who's looking read this. at this, this. i mean how many adaptation. times do you go over these scripts <laughs> and things someone should have said that and i understand king's probably going you know thinking of it's a wonderful life and exactly. that's and that's it. Yeah. And then and then going on and thinking, well, people are going to think what, you know. But if you know, people are very you know, very conscious of this stuff these days. And someone should have said, maybe let's let's do another song, or another reference to a, a Capra esque thing. I don't know. Have them yeah. check the or- fucking mail and be just like shop around the corner or something. 
whatever. It's just not that, you know. Yeah. But the but, thing but, is, yeah. the, again, what the child brings to the story, like what Kid A brings to the story, could have been done in a hundred different ways. Oh, you know, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. There were so many more interesting ways. Just like how you know we've talked a lot on the show just about how Mother Abigail didn't need to be an old black woman in this. You know, that character could have been reimagined in a lot of different ways, and even just from an abstract level, like not even a character, but maybe just like a presence, just an idea. And so the idea that he would return to this well with this character and and also i don't know it's it's and just this miraculous healing and all this other stuff i don't know i really i really struggled with it and it, i'm with you mike i actually quite like this episode uh up until that moment and i and i don't even mind like the final scene you know by the by the ocean i think most of the episode works and so yeah. it's that's why it's so disappointing that everything hinges on this magical negro trope and uh this miraculous healing that is clearly framed to be religious um which to me is just not that interesting um but i like i like what you guys are saying i guess i didn't really consider the idea of of you know the idea that flag is perpetuating that you know, Abigail or the essence of goodness in this world is also perpetuating. And that is, you know, and that, and like the, the choices continue after the apocalypse, you know, it's not like you make the choice to go to Boulder, you make the choice to go to Vegas and that's, that's it. Like the choices are perpetuating, you know? And I think they were even pointing towards that in the scene when, you know, Stu was talking about how, uh, you know, people like their prison is starting to fill up and they've got people who are, you know, vandalism and yeah. drunken disorderly and all these things. Like the idea that the social order is already starting to break down a little bit again. And, and, uh, and I think it, it speaks to the idea that the choices that we make, the choice between, you know, what Franny says is, I don't know, she, like, I, I thought it was also like when she talked about like the deep dark pit, you know, like there's, yeah. there's yeah. this, she says, and there's the deep dark pit. I, I need, I don't know. I feel like that's such a broad statement that I, it's like, it, it asks us to like do what we are doing, which is put our own thoughts and our own belief structures and our own ideas about morality, like onto that statement. And to me, it's like, I don't know. I'm like, say what you mean, dude, say what you yeah. mean. Like actually say it because that's such a broad statement. I think maybe that's where I was talking about how it felt redundant uh, because I don't know. I'm like, I don't feel like you're saying anything new here. What he's off, like for me, the real, the real thing that he's offering with the coda is offering Franny a choice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And allowing that to be there. That to me is like the real key thing. Um, but Could, the, wouldn't that have just been like, let's say she, falls down the well or or doesn't or, or or trips or something or or hell just is sleeping couldn't that have just been done in a dream and still have had the same impact like do like is flag still out there or is he not like 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 the the idea that like maybe evil is still there and is still gonna like you know we're still gonna have to grapple with you know do i want this or do i want that but to be so like blatant about it and then have have the all the the you know the healing and stuff was just like it was so over the top well i mean you could yeah. even had it where she falls into the well she has these dreams you know between obviously with abigail and flag and when Stu pulls her out you know she's miraculously not hurt and there's yeah, vague, that there's would a vague, stronger choice yeah. because it would then we would have been like how the there, hell that there happened? is another there is something else at hand here if they want to keep it open-ended still and not upset either side, well, 
you know, but like they didn't do that. Well, it'd be like Pulp Fiction, <laughs> exactly. you know, when they when they survive the gunshots. Yeah. And they have to assume like, well, you know, in Samuel Jackson's, you know, like, well, this is a miracle from God. And it's not like we it's not like we as a viewer sit there and go, it was a miracle from God. No, there's it's vague enough for us to make that sort of to think about it, to chew on it. So the and, fact and, that and we so, actually had to get literal about it is just I don't know, it's dubious to me. And then yeah. especially get literal that way. Like, yeah, like, the literal yeah. quality as somebody who grew up. Well, not grew up as somebody who was Christian, uh, like very deeply Christian for a very long time. I I read it as, you know, the devil will tempt you but have faith, stay true, and then God will reward mm-hmm. you, which yeah. is essentially yeah. what happens here. Yeah. She, yeah. she rejects Randall Flagg because she doesn't know the state of her being, whether or not she's going to die. But, you know, she doesn't take the easy healing um, and, you know, makes her stand and then she's saved and then is healed by somebody wearing a cross around their neck. And yeah. that to me is like yeah. just so explicitly Christian. And um, but I mean, that, again, that's me putting my own background on it um because that's what i was always told it's like trust in god and god will be there for you like you yeah. need if you have yeah. faith god will have faith in you and it's like um yeah so i don't know any other thoughts on this jen yeah that's how i read it too and i think we probably have similar backgrounds with christianity um yeah that faith is what will get you out of the well and that yes it's scary but your faith is what's going to get you through and i think the thing that i found off-putting about that was um at the end, she says the command is always the same. And I just that's the thing that I've been pushing away from. And I think we'll probably talk about that a lot more with desperation. But um, it, it yeah, it is definitely Christian. Yeah. It's like she is being healed as a reveal of the cross is there. And I think it was implied that it might be one of the black stones yeah. or something. And then that we're supposed to be relieved when it was a cross. And was, But I think you could have done all of that with her just being out of the well and just surprise him. Not right. Her, yeah. You right. Know? Well, the, yeah. I will say, and this speaks to kind of the, the, the good versus evil. This is surprisingly, despite all our criticisms, probably the best portrayal of those personifications of good and evil. Like, I thought this is yeah. certainly the best we've seen of Alexander Skarsgård as Randall Flagg because he's not, he's, un, we'll hear us he talk about this get, a lot. He actually gets to tempt. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's untethered to being the manager. Like, we, we joke about it in the, the interview with Benjamin Cavell that he's unemployed. So he's <laughs> got to be a little fun. And then you have Abigail, who honestly has her best monologue here, which is, the the when she's talking about Job, yep, and I like that how she's basically talking about you know because you know there's more to do, more pain to bear, and you know, and Franny's just like well, God's cruel then, and he she's just like Job said the same, and you get that sense that like yeah, just because you believe in faith doesn't mean and and faith is supposed to have believe to this sort of benevolent state doesn't mean that you're going to get a benevolent God, and I and I like that because at least there's some for, some sort of fucking wrinkle. You know, it's not so like, oh, yes, if you turn the switch this way, guaranteed light, you know. But, then the, the, but the problem is the problem with that is that I like both the flag and Mother Abigail showing up. And, and I again, I even though I was like, I, I felt like they were hitting you on the head with it. I the thing I didn't like about it, though, is that they're trying to say that, Mike, you're right. But then she does get the reward and she's totally yeah. not hurt. And then she doesn't have to. You know what I mean? It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Randall, what you were saying is like, it's such a dichotomy. It's like either like a dark pit of terror or like bright light and everything's great. And I feel like the two most successful arcs of this show were Franny and Harold. Mm -hmm. And that's 
like the overall message I got from that is like it's just gray, yeah. you know, and that people aren't really good or bad. They're just tempted and strong sometimes and sometimes they're weak. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, I did wish that all of the dreams were like this. Oh, though. Like, could you yeah, imagine if we got this much of a dream with every main character? Yeah. It, it, it would have worked amazing. so much more. Yeah. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Other thoughts on the themes or should we pivot over to Mars and Scars where I think we can talk a little bit more about Skarsgård's performance here, which I think is going to be a big, big discussion. Totally. Yeah. Okay, let's pivot. Mars and Scars, ladies and gentlemen. Saw you leaving. You bored with the sermon? (laughs) No, no, just not really my thing. Hmm. Can I give you a piece of friendly advice? Sure. Now, it's one thing to come into town and think you're too good for the people who live here. I don't know why you'd say that. I, I but, wouldn't. But being too good for God, that's another thing entirely. Welcome to Mars and Scars, the section where we discuss James Marsden and Alexander Skarsgård. That was always kind of a joke because there was always so many characters in every episode, but now we pretty much just have three characters in this episode. So <laughs> yeah. we really are talking Can about Can I just them. take a moment to relish the, the I just, it's the last time <laughs> we're going to have a segment totally dedicated to how attractive I think both of these two men well, you are. Get some, it has oh, just man. been a joy. Lots of shirtless action. <laughs> oh yeah. There's hot map action yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Stu, we Sorry, get to see, I mean no, 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 no. We get to see Stu's uh, packs in bed looking good. Woo. And we get, uh, yep. and we get to see uh, Skarsgård's like kind of full torso, but then also some ass later. Uh, the man, oh, yeah, yeah it's looking great. I, wanted, I, I, I want someone to de- debunk that. Like, is it really him or is it, it double? I apparently it's it really was him. really him. Double or was it him? It was confirmed. It was really him. Yeah, it was confirmed All on right. I think Twitter. Yeah, I can't remember who confirmed <laughs> it. it. Uh, somebody did though that was working on the show and said that it definitely was yeah. his ass in the in right. in the in sex scene from a few episodes ago. Prop, so I'm props s- to you, good scars. Well, yeah. I know. I mean, after how many seasons of True oh, Blood, or even like yeah, you know, true. Big Little Lies and stuff. Like you could probably do like screenshots right. and be like, uh, same ass. Okay, cool. Checks out. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm gonna do some research on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, the thing yeah, I love we'll about this couple of years. Look, I mean, <laughs> right. It, it's funny because I kept saying like writing in my notes is like, well, of course this feels like flag because King's writing it. You know, and who better to yeah. write? flag than king but man we get some fucking great lines for flag here. Mm-hmm. like i love the like you know i'm not a doctor but i play one on tv um, <laughs> that's such a king you know, one. It, it is and it, it feels so much like you know the the go-to line for flag which is you know the quoting the rolling stones sympathy for the devil and god damn it i wish they would have just gave given the scripts to king to do like script doctoring for flag <laughs> 
Because you could tell he was so like you could tell King relished the opportunity to write about Flash. Oh yeah, because it's been mm-hmm. ages since he's done it. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I I, I love the lines here. Alexander Skarsgård absolutely lights up in mm-hmm. all these moments, and, and even when he's just kind of like laying there by the tree, his reactions to Franny and Franny's chemistry with him, it's like this feels like almost like Scream Two when you get the cast to reunite again and there's like electric yeah. and it's like, Ooh, the magic's well, back. But here's the thing. <laughs> the, magic's back. the magic wasn't there between them to begin with. So like, it's, but it's that, such a unique, refreshing take. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and I, I felt something weird in this episode mm-hmm. and it was like flag truly didn't feel like the same flag from the show. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and that, that was, that's why I thought, okay, this is all just going to be kind of like a dream. Cause it was kind of like Franny's version of flag and Franny's version of what, but I liked that, you know, I liked that it was just, you know, anytime I was like, oh, yeah, I really like that. I'm like, it's over. Yeah. It's too little too yeah. late, you know, what I mean? like, but uh, which is sad because, you know, there was there are things to like in this episode. But yeah, I, I, I thought Skarsgård really knocked that sequence out of the park, I, although I didn't like the sequence because then it blows the end or it's like just do one or the other you can't do both because now it's just kind of oh you mean you mean when he shows up with the tribe well he like see like he like sits there and explains the entire the entire Mm. surprise ending and then they do the surprise ending and and it really doesn't work for me it did not land (laughs) you know what you know what it reminds me of when he shows her the 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 tribes it reminds me of that scene in wayne's world when they're sitting in the donut (laughs) shop and they're like and he opens the door and it's like oh what's this oh you know uh i just thought it would always be cool to open up a door to see you know a bunch of people training like they're in a james bond movie like that's literally Mm -hmm. what it kind of felt like with franny and him like oh yeah i see these guys over here um so i don't know i i I, I see what you're saying though, Mac, because I, I kind of struggle with that too. But then at the same time, like, cause I think the final shot of them at the, uh, like on the beach in Maine. And if REM came on, I think it actually would be really effective. And then, but on the rewatch, I watched it again. And I was like, it is kind of cool when he like that shot well, of I'm him. Saying, you you do one or the other. You, yeah. You didn't, I don't think you, you didn't need him to do any of that with Franny. Nah. You know what I mean? I think the the stuff that yeah. was working with Franny wasn't him explaining about the tribe. Mm-mm. It was everything else. You know what I mean? Like that was that. If anything, that was just like, why are we doing that? Yeah, I will say. I worry that if they had not done that, it would have been, been seemed racist if he just showed up and started shooting. Yeah, I do wonder that. I, I was thinking too, Jen, just along those lines, because yeah, I'm because I, I was asking myself when I was watching, and I'm like, why is this? stuff with franny framed against in the jungle like yeah. with this tribe well what is the connection there and i almost feel like it was maybe just to set up that ending like i think it was perhaps so. to uh ease us into it and provide context for what was happening um at the end in that final scene that you can get in the book but you don't really get uh like if it if it just yeah like i can see how it could have been perceived as as insensitive um well that's what i mean joe joe lipset um you know he we were talking about it over twitter um on our dms and uh so he, had, he had mentioned yeah and, and he, <laughs> he, he did just watch the coda and he said he's like oh i couldn't believe that you know they had insensitive tri- you know the, the the tribe and stuff like that it seems so to like so opportunistic and i had to tell him i was like no that's actually in the book and i could see it's the same thing like i could see how it's perceived that way but it's supposed well, to kind of well, portray the idea how- how is it opportunistic? I don't well, it's like the idea that you're just kind of like throwing this in and using like this like faceless tribe. Mm. And 
but I could see how it, it could be kind of a, I could see how some people might be, feel it is offensive, but if they don't understand the thematic implications that like King is trying to do in the book, but also which is the, to say, I think the key thing is that the reason it's that tribe is because they're cordoned off from humanity and they, they, yes. they've completely yeah, avoided that, that, the captain trips and, pandemic. Yeah. Well, in the book, yeah. it's a very dubious as to where the tribe is though. Like, you know, for the longest no, they, time, they, Kings they do, they do reference that they're untouched by civilization. I, I feel like, but they been like if they didn't, maybe like, I'm just projecting that. But I think I, I, I understand the setup then in that sense. I just felt like it just kind of, they kind of, to me, it just kind of treated it like a surprise. It was like, but you already did this. You already kind of showed us that this is what you were going to do. So it kind of yeah. was like, it to, for that to be the end was weird. Like I didn't mind. I don't mind if you're ending with flag or, 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 or you know, go back to the tribe and then like but like flags already there like he's already infiltrated them like you know what i mean like i don't know his intro it was just so bombastic and like look I, I, it was nice to see this guy's gonna walk out of the water naked or whatever but like the the dialogue would to- totally was awful i thought it pulled it was me out of it the singing <laughs> well yeah I, the like, singing I know that's in, i know that's in line with the character but give me a break and it was for that yeah. to be the last thing we're gonna go out on I was just like, this did not work for well, me. I like the, I like him yelling. Make it, leave it more ominous. Leave end. it more scary. I thought scary. that was pretty awesome. Uh, and then the smile, yeah, the that's smile the thing that really I liked. Cool, it's like, yeah. worship me. And then his little, like, that was the most flag he has felt right. like in the entire thing. And I like the the idea that he, that's it's like his intuition. And he, because he's all disheveled, you mm-hmm. know, he doesn't have that, like, hair. Um, and I like that, that that's part of Ka being a wheel. I just don't, and I agree with you. Like, I, I think it is a little, um, it could be read as offensive and I don't necessarily like that part of the execution, but I don't know how else you would do mm-hmm. that and how else you would imply it. Unless he just showed up as like a baby that is born in Boulder or something and he's like <laughs> an evil baby or something. An I, don't know. Baby. Well, I, I also see this as, cause I've, I've been thinking about it and, and, and Jen, you heard me talk about this today is that I almost feel like this is his way of just kind of writing around the previous code he already had, you know? And like, like, yeah. cause if you think about it, everything that happens in this episode could conceivably be wedged into the book itself. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. really here that ties specifically to just this series, mm, you know? Yeah. Like, there really isn't. Like, it all kind of just feels tailored to the actual book itself. And so with that in mind, I kind of just saw King taking what he already had for the coda and being like, all right, well, I'm going to write around it. Yeah. I'm going to write this this story that I want to write within the coda that I already have because he doesn't want to lose that. And, and clearly he didn't want to lose it because he added it into the expanded version. So um, that's kind of how I looked at it. And then I also felt that King being King, he just wanted to hammer down the point that like, you know, evil is going to continue and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it would be I, funny. if I think what I love, it would be funny if they were like, well, you know, we ended up with Donald Trump as president. Like they, they just start saying it like really explicitly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just like newspaper <laughs> clippings or something. Yeah. I, I think know. what I like. The, yeah, go go ahead. Ahead. No, go ahead. I think what I like the most about it is one, how hot he is. And I have a point to this. I promise I'm not just yeah. gushing. I was like, gonna say, this we're going to get in trouble, Jen. You have to have I some, know. I know. No, but I mean, I think it's part of like his, his personality. Like he's so appealing here. And when he was saying, Oh, all you have to do is kiss me. I would, was like do it Franny do it he's hot you know and I feel like that's kind of what we've been missing with flag this entire time is like this tempting this personality 
Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. The charm. And charm. Like, like he's got. Yes. He's, yeah. and he's funny. Like the line that made me laugh mm-hmm. so hard was when she says, uh, uh, "For free about like you know whether yeah. or not he would heal her." And he goes, "Of course it's free." And he like says it just yeah. like her. Like uh-huh. it was just such a casual little moment. And I'm like, and I'm like in that moment, like yeah, he's poking fun at her, but it's in an amiable way. Like it's it's yeah. a he's goofing on her a little bit like i love that scene because we we saw so little of the appealing flag that's why you know it's why i'll defend the dancing from last week it's like <laughs> i like the dancing because it's like oh he's just like Excuse us like I leave. Yeah. see and oh, imagine love that the dancing. stand and by an, it top three it, moment of the series <laughs> you heard it here folks that's, that that's flag, one of the top three moments of this show sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, imagine this whole scene with him. And then he turns around and eats Bobby Terry in an yeah, elevator. Yeah. And like how like, exactly. like how scary and menacing yeah. that would be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with well, you. it's like what, well, it's like what he taught what Benjamin talks about in our, our interview, which is like that he doesn't have to be this manager here, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's so important. And I think that I really do wish we got more of that. And like, it's weird because I've been harping. I've probably been the strongest critic against Skarsgård this whole time like I've, I've pretty much really not I've di- not despised his performance but just really been like bleh about it and this made me realize like fuck I kind of want to see more of him as Flag. like he's doing more with Flag here than McConaughey did with Flag in the Dark Tower yeah. with for the 90 minutes that he had and he's on a level now or like in this this episode particularly like where I'm, I'm kind of getting the, the the Sheridan vibes where it's like someone that feels comfortable in the jacket no pun intended and like and is 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 having fun with it and it is it sucks that we do get so little of it you know and I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that like in Vegas it's this like WWE style arena and here it's just a fucking forest. Yeah. It's just him talking to someone like we got that. What? Like twice in this whole series. Like well, that's like, the thing. The- it's because if he's talking about him being a manager and if, if the, the idea of the job is what was weighing him down, which I think tracks with, yeah. with the story is the idea of yeah. like, Randall Flagg's really not cut out to build a, a civilization or a society, you know, like he's, he would, he just wants to party and he wants to, you know, corrupt people and steal their power and eat their power. And um, so I think the the thing I tried to do with the dancing is like, it would have been cool to see him having fun in Vegas, yes. like in the early days of it, like when he gets everybody there and he's kind of like, oh yeah, we're having a big party. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. But then the idea of like everything falling apart and the idea that he's recruited a bunch of shitty people and unreliable people to be his his uh his uh helpers like to watch all of that weigh on him and the idea of the manager start to weigh on his shoulders we just i that evolution was never really there because he always was like brooding and he was always mad and it was like i wanted to see yeah drinking his milk and he was it's like we i needed more of yeah like that the exchange here and the the spark and the fire like you can you can tell too that Skarsgård was having a blast yeah like that's what was really cool about it was like I felt like I was watching the actor like really having like chewing the scenery in a good way like having a blast with it and I and Odessa's like so good in this scene too that she's like a really great scene partner with him and you can tell they're like they have a lot of chemistry they're really working with each other and like you know even though it's kind of a corny line when she says uh get thee behind me you know you you motherfucker or whatever like uh Cause it's such like a direct blatant, like, you know, um, uh, wilderness, Jesus in the wilderness reference. And, uh, and we also already got like the Jesus in the wilderness thing with mother Abigail. So I was yeah. a little bit like, why are we doing this again? We got to do it again. <laughs> uh, but 
Uh, but I will say like the way she delivered that line, like legitimately gave me a, like a chill, like in a good way. Uh, so I don't know. So, I mean, it was just like so exciting to see that. Um, but yeah, do we have any thoughts on Odessa uh, in this episode? I do. Yeah. I love her. Yes, man. I, okay. And I've talked about this before, but Franny is one of my all time favorite mm-hmm. characters. Um, grew up loving her. Like she and Matilda, I think are the two that I really like fell in love with at an early age. <laughs> and I feel like she gets a lot of shit and as not being like, uh, uh, like doing much. And I feel like the thing that I love the most about this series, aside from Harold, is I feel like it gave Franny a lot more agency and gave her like something to do and not really in a way that feels that different mm-hmm. from the book. I feel like they just really brought it out. And Odessa Young is a huge part of that because she just feels so like direct and so action oriented and doing stuff and I just absolutely love her and I think like she is playing this is one thing we talked about with Benjamin Cavell too about how Stu or James Marston as Stu is adding depth to a, a relatively flat character and I feel like Franny is playing she's playing the ingenue role and that's really can be really hard to do because you're basically just kind of doing the right things over Mm -hmm. and over again and it's so much easier to play the villain and be like bigger with it and I think she just did a phenomenal job of like being this character this is I'm not going to see Molly Ringwald anymore (laughs) oh same same yeah Uh, other thoughts on on Odessa that was great, you know. I I think there's a there's a reason why I felt so tense the be, uh, mm-hmm. the first twenty thirty minutes of the episode is because I I really like her and I really like Stu, yeah. you know. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I they did a good job developing those characters and I agree they that is a role that could have easily just been like blah, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she really you know they gave her more more to do and she was more active and I that's why I, I liked the inclusion of the scene where they decide to pull one over on Harold and do the, you know, we're going to go investigate and all that. Cause like, you know, she does do a lot of stuff. It's just, it got, it got, you know, pushed to the side in the miniseries. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she was good and I thought she was definitely great in that scene with, uh, with Skarsgård and, um, boy, I didn't want her to be hurt. And, uh, <laughs> and she was healed and I was, I was not happy with the healing, but I was happy with her being okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about the Mars of Mars and Scars? Just good old I mean, reliable Marsden. Exactly. I think <laughs> yep. that's really kind of how you have to say it. Check, I mean, there's what else check. are you to say? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we talk like Jen just said. We, we do talk about him a lot in uh, the interview, so you'll listen to that. But I mean, what I said, you know, a couple of episodes. I will just say really quick. I just think it's so funny that we like over nine episodes. Roy's like, what do we say about him? He's just he's money. In, he's money in the bank. <laughs> He really yeah. is though. He's so reliable. Smile. Like and, and and I and actually Benjamin Cavell does a really good job in explaining why. And and we kinda we have like a nice little discussion about that. And I I, I mean for me personally it's it really goes down to the fact that like I think it's really hard to dial down sometimes and he does able, he's able to dial down here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I going into this we joked around being like, Oh, they should they might as well have just gotten David Boreanis at that point if he was gonna get a hunk <laughs> like him. Call back. But the thing is like Hey, I love Boreanis. Okay. I love Boreanis too, but you know, look You know you're an old school fan of the pod if you get the Boreanis reference. Yeah, yeah. seriously, because that goes back to like twenty twenty eighteen probably. Yeah. Way so back. I but but you know, we watch this and I don't really get distracted from him, you know, in the ways that I thought, I think we initially thought, you know, mm-hmm. um, when we first heard that he was going to be cast in this. And so I don't know. Oh, no, it's, I that's couldn't. a credit to him. So 
I was going to make a joke about not being able to see anything else but Cyclops. But, <laughs> no, I I think he, yeah, I was very weary of him because I, I love Gary Sinise and I, I don't know if I like him better, but I think he, he did his own thing with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I dig that. And I, I think he, he didn't just like walk through it, you know, like he, he gave it, you know, he gave it his all. So I, I, I dug it and I, and I, I, I dig their relationship. Like you were saying when he was buckling the belt mm. uh, or the, the gun holster around her, I was like, Stu, you can buckle me up any day. <laughs> 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 well, I, I, I have a, I have a fun little game. Okay. To play Let's hear it for, uh, for this, that for everyone here, um, since we're, I mean, we're done pretty much talking about performances, right. right? I have one more I want to talk about. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Before I Tom Cullen doesn't get a ton to do here, but Brad William Henke genuinely, when he was saying bye to them, I like, even though like, you know, we didn't really get anything with him and Stu. We haven't seen a ton with him and Franny, but he's he's a good actor and he really sells right. it. And yeah. he and and that um and it's the way he, Yeah, he's a big teddy bear. And the way he like there was that shot where like uh the other people, like Joe whoever the people were and we can talk more about oh, them the in a DJ. Moment. like the <laughs> Yeah, the DJ, DJ guy, and he, was, and he, yeah, and he was like, "This is crazy. What are they doing?" And then, uh, but then it just, but then it just cut to Tom, and he was kind of just talking to himself, and he just goes, "Laws, yes, laws, yes." And it was like just a funny little moment that reminded me of a couple of funny moments, like when he finds out Nick's name in an early episode, and you just hear him go, "The Nickster." <laughs> like, yeah. just, uh-huh. like he had these little moments that I feel like might have been improvised, or like just felt like very, I don't know, like genuine sweet moments with him. And so I just wanted to call him out because I felt like even though he didn't really get anything to do uh that he kind of milked the most he could out of that goodbye scene which i thought yeah. was really sweet yeah so i i agree I will be and the him. reason i want more of that coda is because i wanted to see more right. of him playing right. tom yeah. because i think he was great uh, surprised it was genuinely uh, surprised mac what were you gonna say sorry yeah no i i really i i he had nothing not a lot to do and i feel like he really showed up yeah so yeah. I, I i really dug that and uh you know if, if you're getting emotional at those, those scenes when like there's there's not been any interplay between those characters really or that they let us see uh you know you're doing a good job as an actor mm-hmm. you know because yeah. you're able to yeah, get that totally. across and uh i thought it was interesting yeah because you, you have steve and and they mentioned lucy it's yeah lucy. i have that uh, in King's lucy that's, mom, yeah. that's yeah that's taking uh <laughs> taking care of joe um man he's shuffled around unfortunately that kid. <laughs> poor kid um, and I then know. you have um I did think it was weird though when um, Norris, uh, played by the actor that was Krychek, his eyes started yeah. bleeding the black oil. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is that? What is he from? <sighs> it's X Files. Oh, okay. That was a character, good one. Huge character yeah. in the lore of X Files. Yeah. What, th- what if he every did? Every time he and showed <laughs> up, I was like, I was waiting for him to start going like. Uh, <laughs> or they like trap him in a you know in like a, a basement room or something like that and he's like no <laughs> um, oh, man. yeah so <laughs> they lock him up they lock him in and he's like an alien spaceship in there and they're like oh. wow the stand really took a turn in episode nine um, so what's your game okay, Mike? so i have a fun game um since we're at the end of this is our last mars and scars i thought Aww. you know just now i thought it would be kind of fun if uh I ran through the characters in the the character and actor the actors in the ninety four one and the actors in also the twenty twenty one, and you guys can choose which one you would you, you know you prefer. We'll start from the top. We're talking about Stu Redman, Sinise or Marsden. Sinise. Mm. Jen. Sinise. Okay, oh, yeah. so Sinise yeah. wins this one. Not, not, yeah. no yeah. shame. As much as Marsden. I love James no Marsden. Shame. No, it's U-Q hard is, to top uh, Sinise. Yeah. I don't want to jump. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Frenny Goldsmith, Odessa Young, or Molly Ringwald? Randall. I uh, Odessa. Jen. Odessa. Mac. Odessa. Okay. Pretty easy it's, one. It's pretty fair. Sorry, pretty Ma. fair. Sorry, uh, Nadine Cross, Laura San Giacomo, or Amber Heard? Randall. Laura. Laura San Giacomo. Jen. Uh, Laura San Giacomo, and but book. Yeah. Book oh, okay. version so number book. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, Mac. Oh, yeah. Oh, if we can throw a book in there, then book, then Laura, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we still have not seen a great uh, adaptation then. No. Okay, okay so we'll we get a spin-off, spin-off series spin-off. with Nadine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Nadine and the Ouija board. So, all right. So based on the, on the last two characters, like Stu and Franny, you think you'd still prefer Sinise and Young compared to the book? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they did more with Franny in, in the okay. series than they, you know, you know, or, I agree. Odessa was able to do more with the character than I felt even the book probably did. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Mother Abigail, Ruby D or Whoopi Goldberg, Randall? Uh, Ruby D. Ruby D. Ruby's got, she owns that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think good. even, I think even over, well, I don't know, it's hard because the book gives you more context. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of torn between the two there, but I, I think just Ruby D there are honestly like, captures yeah, the spirit. There are know? specific acting things she does that like <laughs> we always emulate we always do all the yeah. time so it's oh, like yeah. it's like that is her that's not the book you know that's her <laughs> acting performance and I, I mean, yeah, some of it we make fun of but it's in a, I, for me it's in a loving oh, way it's, it's like when you love way, something absolutely. and you constantly make fun way. of it i love that sequence i think that is one of the most frightening sequences yeah actually. yeah this this will be the easiest one that we've done so far um Corin Nemec as or Owen Teague as Harold Lauder. Uh, Randall. Easiest answer, Owen Teague. I hate Corin yeah. Nemec. Look, I love Corin Nemec. He's a big crush, but I mean, Owen Teague just yeah. killed it. Yeah. Face just, yeah, Owen Teague. Yeah. Mac. Yeah, Teague. Okay. I was, what if you had said oh, Corin Nemec? That would be You're fucking wild. Hey, look, If we no, had Caffrey no, on, Caffrey no might say Nemec. He loves him. I just felt Nemec was always miscast. I love Nemec oh, from, yeah. from Parker Lewis. I thought I, he was yeah. on that. Okay. Hot and supernatural too. Here's a hot. He is actually <laughs> vanishes for for reasons unknown. But uh, okay, so uh, this is a harder one. Lloyd Henry, do you like Miguel Ferrer or Nat Wolf? Randall. <sighs> that's actually that's really good. Um, yeah. I'd still say Ferrer, but very won over by Nat Wolf. So yeah. yeah. Jen. I I love Miguel Ferrer in everything um but i think i liked nat wolf mm. better in this i did not at first but i mean yeah. i think he won me over in that last nice. episode same i think uh, episode eight yeah i, I think i'm gonna agree mm-hmm. mac i'm actually gonna go with the book Ooh. yeah really i love miguel ferrer but i don't think that he's really i don't think either is oh well, i don't really like i like nat does a really good job and i think they they he sees that through i didn't like mm-hmm. what they did with the character but boy, does the actor really, he really took that and ran with it. And he saw it all the yeah. way through. And I, I, he has an actual arc in this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, it feels like he created it for himself, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. And, but I still am partial to the book uh, version of, of Lloyd. I still don't think we've seen that. that yeah, the definitive that Lloyd. Alive, so yeah. It's like somewhere in between, I, I think, yeah, for sure. Yeah, some, some meeting of the minds, yeah. Uh, this is actually kind of hard, I think. Um Trash can man, Matt Frewer or uh, <laughs> Ezra Miller? Uh, Randall. Matt Frewer. He, he just yeah. he he has more opportunity to 
provide depth to the character. And I also just, I don't know, like when I think about it, I don't, I don't need like BDSM trash, you know, I like, uh, I like dusty, (laughs) dusty trash. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go through also. Jen, who who are you going with? I think I'm going to go with book. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think that is the, it's a complicated character and I feel like the book really is kind of the essence of it. And yeah. Mac. I, I'm, I'm torn on the book and Brewer because I think Furu does a great job of, I think he is trash and takes what was given to him and, and emulates the book pretty well. But I still think until we get, until we get the trash and kids scenes, <laughs> we are not going to really see trash because yeah. he's so complicated. And I think, you know, yeah. So yeah, I'm a, yeah. half and half there. This is a, this is an interesting one. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how people are going to go with this one. Uh, Nick Andros, Rob Lowe or Henry Zaga? Uh, Rob or Lowe. Book. I've been, I've been hypercritical of, of Rob Lowe's performance in the 94 miniseries, but I got to say, uh, and maybe I'm just longing. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to, I forgot the book was an option. Yeah. No, the book there's is an been option. no definitive Nick Andros book. Nick Andros is the best Nick Andros. All right, Jen. Yeah, same. I think book. And I think partly, but that's because like the character cannot talk. So anytime mm, you have a character yeah. that doesn't have yeah. dialogue on screen and that's you can't true. hear inside their yeah. head, you know. Yeah, that, that definitely has Although, an advantage. love Rob yeah. yeah, me too. I mean, I do yeah, love kid Rob me, Kid me is like, Rob Lowe. Yeah. I love Nick as a kid. Exactly. I love Nick as a... But I, I, I agree with y'all. I think the, the book version is far superior than anything ben, we've seen. Benjamin's no one's friend. Um, okay, how about his, <laughs> his, his pal Tom Cullen? Uh, do we prefer Bill uh, Fagerbacky or um, like, where is it Bill Fager? Fagerback. How do you? Fagerbach is what I Fagerbach? Okay. Or just Dauber, Dauber, I think. Oh, Dauber, okay. Yeah, from Coach, right? Yeah. 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 Also, I think pa- Patrick from SpongeBob, I think, is yeah, uh, yeah. his voices. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you refer to him or Brad William Henke? Randall. That's a really tough one because I actually think or they're book. both great in the role. Um, and so, you know what? There's no hard, hard and fast rules here. So I'm going to say it's a tie. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Safe. Uh, uh, Jen. I I think I'm. Th- this is a really hard one, too, because I love this character. But I think I'm going to give it to Brad William Henke yeah. more so because he surprised me with how well he mm-hmm. did this. And I think it's a really hard character to play. Also, to top the the 94 character, like, I think he just really knocked it out mm-hmm. of the park. Mac. I got to go with Dauber. Dauber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just so sweet. And so, like, I know that the, the character's problem, you know, that has got some problems. and But, I, man, I I really was, like, all like behind. Like, him and Nick in that series has done so well, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. for, what, for what they're given. You believe that friendship. And, yeah. But, so, yeah, for me, it's Dauber. I got to go with BWH. Um, all right. Let's uh let's go with their uh their other would be pal and instead they turn the the corner and leave her on the the side of the road. Do uh, Julia Lowry, Shawnee Smith, or Catherine McNamara? Uh, Randall. hey, love Cat M, friend of the pod, but Shawnee Smith is to me the best performance in the entire ninety four miniseries. Wow. Uh, I absolutely adore her in that, and uh, but I do think the Julie character is better fleshed out in, in this version. So, mm-hmm. but I gotta go with my girl Shawnee. Star of the soft Jen. franchise. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Jen, who are, who are you picking? Cat McNamara. Yeah. I think this is the first time I've ever liked Julie, and I was really annoyed by her in the book. Yeah. And so I love, like, I feel like she has a personality here more than just being, like, evil mm-hmm. and vapid, you know? 
Mac. Yeah, that's tough. Um, I'm gonna go Shawnee though. I, I, not that I don't like Cat's performance, but I don't really like what they did with the character. And mm. mm-hmm. even though they fleshed her out more, I just, was just kind of like, okay. And I just didn't like what they gave her. I guess That's in fair. this series, you know. Yeah. Well, look, we're gonna have they an even. Fizzle. We're gonna have an even split because I'm going with Cat. Uh, I thought that uh, a lot of fun, um, and I, I just thought it was that Shawnee was too evil for me. I never really got the sense that there was any sort of like hope <laughs> too there. Evil. Too evil. Yeah. Um, I feel like she might be setting some elaborate traps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crossover. It's true. You know, it's like you know she's yeah. she's friends with Tobin Bell, and I just can't <laughs> handle that. Um, all right, these these are actually kind of hard ones. Uh, I think this is probably these next two characters are probably some of the hardest ones we have. Um, Larry Underwood, book Adam Stork or Joven Adepo, Randall, book. Yeah, still haven't thought, seen I my figure, definitive my definitive Larry. I, I think that would have been Caffrey's answer too, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because yeah. I, I know that's his favorite King character. You know, Stork's um, your all of you guys' love for Stork has grown on me a little bit. I've softened on him, uh, and I think Joven Adepo is really good, but. Uh, I don't think the series like, you know, I think we've discussed this, but it's like Larry wasn't really a focus of this series, you know, like I think that I think that the character he's so key to the book and to the 94 series. But here he just, you know, I feel like the 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 focus on Harold and Franny, I think some characters just, you know, came at the expense of that. And I think Larry's one of them. Yeah, I agree, Randall. Larry feels like kind of a vehicle for them to have Rita in the Mm -hmm. series, you know. Um, I, this was a really tough call for me. I think I'm probably going to go book, but I love Jovan mm-hmm. Adepo. I just in general. So it was really nice for me to see him playing this character, but I, I agree. I feel like if they had given him more to do, I would have gone with him, but he just, he doesn't have the resonance yeah. that the book gives him. Yeah. Mac. Um, yeah, I'm going to go book. I mean, I love Stork, but that's just cause at the time that's all, <laughs> that's all we had. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah. I really do love his performance. Uh, I, I actually really love that scene when he's talking to Stu in the ravine. Uh, we make fun of that scene. Oh, it is good. When it he's like, good. but but he, the, I, the, no the, I, I, I I buy that. And um, I do love, you know, Jabam, I, I, I think he's a great actor. I just watched Overlord uh, the other night. I thought it was yeah, awesome. It's and so it, good. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And uh, I, I can't wait to see him in more stuff. But I do agree. I don't think that the, the focus wasn't really there. Yeah. So I, so I just felt like it didn't really... Sadly, just weird. I mean, you know, he's like a pinnacle character at the, in, in the second to last episode. You know, yeah. like he's one of the only people that's still alive in Vegas, and they and somehow they still didn't do that character justice. Yeah, here. I agree. Uh, I this is a fun one right here. I'm saving uh, one particular character for last. Um, I think I know who that is. Yeah, Teddy Wyzak, Ian Bailey, or Stephen King, <laughs> <laughs> Randall. <laughs> I hate Stephen King's performance as <laughs> yeah. Teddy Wyzak in the original. Hey. And I love Eon Bailey. Like uh, that character, Teddy Wyzak, was honestly such a, a breath of fresh air, like in the early episodes. Yeah. Uh, just a really like charismatic performer and a uh, character I just love to see and was kind of a cool window into kind of, he kind of struck me as a ne'er-do-well that kind of found his way to Boulder. And I felt like I got a lot of shades of character from him, despite him not being a major character. So uh, yeah, I was actually really taken with Teddy in this, in this version. So easy, easy one there. Sorry, Steve. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jen. 
I uh, this is I'm gonna give I'm gonna go with a tie because oh. I uh, well I agree with everything you said <laughs> about Eon Bailey. I thought it was great, but I am just so fascinated with how quirky Stephen King is, and anytime I can see him and hear him, it's like I hear that. Tweet. Yeah, yeah, Mac. Oh man, Ian, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're taking a nothing character, and I I cared more about what happened to him than I did most of the people in the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Like, what an awesome performance! And uh, yeah, it's got to be it's it's got to be Ian. Yeah, I'm going to give him Nadine. Yeah, Mark, you know? I know, right? Hey, look, I I love Stephen King, but you know, we can't. what if they did uh, that? Just rewrote play. it so like Teddy got all of Nadine's storyline. <laughs> well, you know. Disney Plus just got the rights to everything that's Paramount and CBS all access and all that stuff. And we're going to see Hawk and Teddy. Oh, sign me up. Show. Alternate, alternate uh, reality oh, series. Maybe they're chipmunks or something. Oh, man. oh, I don't know. I didn't know we were going to go that We're going animated with it. Absolutely. Yeah, animated. let's do it. Right. Let's go animated. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of animated, Ralph Brenter uh, or Ray Brenter, uh, oh. Peter Van Norden, or we have Irene Bedard. <laughs> Let me just say that... Uh, I always found it really funny that Dan Caffrey always knew the name of the actor who played Ralph yes. Brentner. He would always be like, wait, what's his name? David Van Norton? Uh, yes. D- yes. Dan Peter always, Van Norton. Whenever Peter, we bring Peter him Van up. Norton. Whenever we bring him up, Dan would always be like, "I love Peter Van Norton." <laughs> I'm like, he doesn't even have he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So like the fact that like Caffrey just knows this off the top. I know. Of his head I just is... it always made me laugh because I'm like, you're probably the only person in the world who is like, I love the performances of Peter Van Norton. But I will say, I like him. Um, I just genuinely think the character who's not even that well drawn in the 94 series. I just think it's better drawn than I Ray was a very frustrating character for me because I, I like the actress. Irene Bedard's very good. Um, I've seen her in a lot of things, but yeah, it just, it was a very frustrating character in that I never kind of felt like I was on the same wavelength as her and they kind of underdeveloped her and then shoved her in our faces a lot. in like that last episode in ways that were really aggressive mm. that I'm just like, I don't know if you've earned this. And um, yeah. yeah, so that's my answer. Uh, I'm going book mm, um, yeah. because mostly, Hey, look, I love when you can gender swap a role. I feel like, you know, especially for a book yeah. like this, that is so male dominated, but I forgot that this character existed when we started doing this list. And so I got, yeah. go. <laughs> right, Mac, uh, yeah, I'm going to go book. All right. Sweet, sweet. Well, uh, we have another gender swap character, uh, the rat man or mm. the rat woman. I was hoping you would uh, do this. <laughs> Cause, we got him. Because oh, I gotta Rick, say, there's no competition here. I know. Oh, Rick Avila. It's the late. Yeah, it's the late Rick Avila. Right. He's incredible. I mean, like it's. I mean, his performance is is like monumentally goofy. Like in the '94 version. But I'll be damned if we're still talking about it. Like twenty, however many <laughs> years later, I friggin' love him in the yeah. original '94 series. Iconic. Uh, R.I.P. to a great one. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Jen, what about you? Rat woman oh! for me. Oh, <laughs> I loved her. She was so much fun. Yeah, uh, I wanted to like draw little like scales on my eyes. You know, <laughs> Mac. Look, I really like Fiona Dorf, but no one beats the. Rat man. No one <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the rat man. I mean, uh, I just I think the thing that wore on me about about her character in this was more like I was like, how many costume changes are we gonna give you? And like. More costume changes than anybody in this whole thing. Uh, That's for, what for, I love. For, for one, it was like, go down and do this one thing. It was like, hold on, I've got to go and put on my entire <laughs> bellhop outfit. 
so I can go down and just one yes, thing. Yes, that is like, true. What are you yeah. doing? And make it kinky <laughs> too, this outfit. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I, I, I got to stick with the uh, the original rap. <laughs> I, I do too. Uh, I love Ghost. Um, He's great in Ghost. All right. <laughs> He's great in Ghost. <laughs> Dana, oh, yeah. Dana Jurgens, Kelly Overbay, or uh, was it Natalie Martinez? We're going deep in this now, are we? I know. I, I, know. I only have one more it's after like, this. I only got one more after this. So uh, I'll go with Natalie Martinez just because she gets a little bit more to do. She's a good presence on she screen. She definitely does. Uh, yeah. yeah. She, I, I like that performance. I wish we got more of her. Jen. Book. Mm. I oh. I want, yeah. I want more Dana. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Maybe book. she can be in the spinoff. I, think, the spin- I yeah. think book. I like both Danas in both miniseries. I just feel like they never really got to do as much as I wanted them to do with that character. Yeah, I remember yeah. the Dana um, storyline confused me when I like saw the 94 miniseries before I read the book. Like I just I was like who is this person? Um Yeah. We do have other characters, but let's just go let's just go right to the end cuz we still got a lot to talk about. Um the man of the hour, the man <laughs> of every hour, the greatest optimistic pragmatic person that we should all achieve to be, Glenn Bateman. Uh <laughs> Which we, 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 we I've saved for the last because it's the most important one to talk about. Ray Walston or Greg Kinnear? Uh, good question. And honestly, this is hard. I think it's really hard. Actually, genuinely hard. I yeah. love Kinnear, but I'm going with Walston. Why? Because right. he's achingly pragmatic, and uh, I just love him for that. He also doesn't have a vape. <laughs> Like that is kind of like a yeah, big. Yeah, he doesn't promote vaping. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I um, love. Okay. Um, I love Walston. He's great, and I, it's just how still how I view Glenn when I read. To a caveat though, an addendum though, which Kojak. <sighs> Book Kojak. I was gonna say. That, I was gonna say if you didn't <laughs> mention it. I was gonna say if you didn't if you didn't mention it, I was gonna bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I knew you were. Go- That's why I had to throw it in there just now because I, I I didn't want you to think that was gonna leave out Kojak, Mac. Because I know that I knew that was that was coming. Um, okay, so you're you're doing Walston and Book Kojak. Fair. <laughs> Jen. Uh, I really loved Greg Kinnear in this, but I feel like the fact that it was a young hot Glenn changed some of the mm-hmm. arc for that character. So I think I'm gonna go Walston and Book Kojak. Yeah. Wow, all right. So we we're, we got a got a potential sweep here. Uh Mac. <laughs> Mac, make it happen. Walston, baby. <laughs> Walston all the way. I lo- I love Greg Kinnear. I mean, I would watch that I would watch that guy, you know, read the phone book or whatever. But like yeah. I, I yeah, Walston it, it's one of those characters that just feel like he nailed it on the head when when I saw that. I yeah. was like, absolutely, casting's correct. Um Kojak, I still think we've yet to see the best <laughs> Kojak come out. So I'm gonna go book Koj. A sweep. A sweep, and I'm and yeah. uh, look, I'm not gonna tell my choice. So, um, <laughs> I think mystery. we know your choice. <laughs> now, wait, 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 that can't be it. We got, we yeah, got we got one, one huge more. crucial person that we didn't do. Yeah, yeah, I know, Randall Flag. That's right. No. <laughs> yeah. So, look, where do you, where do you, where are you going with? You going with Sheridan? You going with Skarsgård? Or book? Can we pick McConaughey too? Or yeah. you throw, you could throw a McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, Randall, go for it. Um, I mean, I'm still going to go, I'm going to go book, but if I had to choose an actor, it would be Jamie Sheridan. I still think that he, 
uh, he gets the humor of the character and gets the general countenance of the character. I think he captures it. Uh, you know, love scars and um, you know McConaughey, great actor. Uh, didn't didn't get much to do in the uh, in in the Dark Tower. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Jamie. Well, I'm gonna go with Book, but then Jamie's second place. So. Jen. Well. I don't think this is going to surprise anyone. I am going to go with Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> for many, many reasons. Not just because I am so attracted to him, but I, I, I really liked it. And I think the last, se- or the last episode, this episode that we're talking about, that's what really kind of sealed the deal for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mac. Uh, I'm just going to store it up. Jamie Sheridan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the book version, but I feel like flag always in all the stories and all the versions of flag pops up. He's always different. He always looks a little different. He always acts a little different. So I can't really do the book version. I, I think Sheridan just like, just that like shit kicking grin and just like all the, I don't know, you just unsettling. Like I, but I, I think that's more of a testament to the way they introduced that character in the, in the original miniseries. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you, if I was going based just solely on like the last part of that miniseries, I wouldn't say that. But I think the way that they introduce that character, he is truly frightening. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think there's also something to be said about a boomer actor playing Flag. Yeah. I, I think that's really important because Flag is so part of an era. Granted, he transcends time. I get it. He goes through different eras. He's met everyone from Sigmund Freud to, you know, what was the uh, – <laughs> uh, the. Kodosolava, I, I can't remember the actor the, the, that he mentioned, mm. that Skarsgård mentions in this, but I just think that you need someone of that era that's a baby, that, that's from the boomer generation that can actually speak to, you know, not only being of the times of like the classic rock, but also being able to kind of be tongue in cheek about it, you know? And um, I, I don't know. So I, I, I think I got to go with Jamie Sheridan. I have something to say. Yeah. I just Uh-oh. Googled this. You talk about a boomer Randall Flagg. Yeah. Jamie Sheridan was 43 years old when he played Randall Flagg. Alexander Skarsgård is 44. Wow. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking wow. kidding me? Wow. He must well, be drinking Skarsgard. baby's blood. Yeah. Seriously. He is. Or yeah. they got that it's, Nordic it's, blood or whatever. I mean, the Skarsgård family is, is pretty mysterious. So we'd have no idea what's going on. I'm hoping that there's no controversies around their family like the Army Hammer one. But, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go through the text thread today. I missed about thousands. Lots, yeah, lots of army talk. There. Um, oh, uh, well, that, that's it, Randall. Unless you can think of any other characters. Well, I, I think I, I'll just I, say I, we're speaking about nightmares. Let's move on to a little section we call nightmares and dreams. If you think your dreams are disturbing, <laughs> imagine the nightmares of Stephen King. What are you, some sort of a horror movie guy? No, Clyde, I'm a literary guy. Welcome to Nightmares and Dreamscapes. This is where we discuss what we loved and what we hated. Uh, Let's go through and each, uh, you know, anything we just haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Um, I have two things under dreams that I will say really quickly. One, I just wrote Cowboy Stew uh, because I (laughs) I loved square dancing uh, or line dancing, <laughs> cowboy hat stew. I just, that's all I wrote. My notes was cowboy stew, and I like it. <laughs> I wanted to see a blue duck, and so I wrote <laughs> And then my other is, I like the I would like a kiss line uh, with 
flag and Franny, but I think I liked it not just for the line and for the image and everything, but, and what it implied, but when she laughs at him, when she responds to him and laughs at him, it actually offered me a scene that we didn't get in this series, which is when Glenn laughs at flag when he says, all I want you to, you know, I'll let you leave, but you have to like kiss my feet or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he says. Um, uh, and then Glenn laughs at him and he's like, oh, that's it. That's all you are, you know? And so Franny laughs at him and he, we get to see that reaction in Flag because he doesn't like to be laughed at. He doesn't like to be diminished, you know, in people's eyes. So those were two moments that to me really struck as uh, as resonant um, and just nice little flourishes that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet. Um, Jen, how about you? Okay, two things I loved. One, I loved the driving montage and I, it yeah. made me want to go on a road trip. Oh and my I just God, loved yes. it. <laughs> and I... I also um, I loved the pan to the rubble in um, in Vegas and then the button turning to a smiley face again, like with a little blink. And I think like as much as I loved um, flag in this episode, I think you could have skipped everything and just had that as the very end of the yeah. episode. And I would have yeah, liked it. I could see so. that. Mike. So I, I I thought that the direction was really strong. Um, I like the, the the patient silence that we get to kind of build some of the tension. Um, remind me of like M night Shyamalan's uh, signs just because the cornfields and stuff like that. And just the way that there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like, you know, scoreless moments where they're just kind of like walking around and there's a lot of tension there. So, and then also there's some really great shots like overhead, like that, that overhead shot that, um, actually kind of matches what we see in the, in the pilot that was also directed by Josh Boone, um, where it's right after Franny falls in the well, you see this overhead shot of like Kojak running to the well, which is pretty like awesome like that's an that's a great shot um and also i just i just love the the needle drops in this i i love rem's uh it's the end of the world as we know it at the end i love i love the score uh which it's now available on spotify and i think i've listened to like franny writing like 30 times today um just because i just love that piano thing when she's doing the narration so those are two things i just absolutely adored about this episode cool mac did you like anything about this episode? <laughs> well, uh, 7.3 billion people died in the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I really liked. Um, I thought Stu and Franny, just their relationship in general, like just like the the dancing sequence, just them on the road with the baby and everything. All that stuff was cool. I like when I did like when the little girl is like, I think it's the little girl that says like dog baby and like the, and then kojak <laughs> runs to the baby and is like watching out mm-hmm. after the baby <laughs> i love that yeah. i thought mm. that was fun um and uh and i like the last scene in, in, in with them and uh, on the beach in maine i mean it, even though the dialogue might have been a little clunky it was nice to see that because it was kind of like it was just nice to see these characters back in like stephen king's stomping ground you know yeah Mm-hmm. Did, no, did, did, I couldn't think, I couldn't find it online because I was trying to Google this because I don't really know how to Google art that you don't know the name of the title or the, the painter. But didn't that mother look like Abigail a portrait? mural? No, like, well, no, not the not the mural, which is that was hilarious. a nightmare. Which we Sorry. need to make that as our back. We need to make that a shirt or something. Um, but uh, the the thing I lo- the the shot of them at the the lighthouse with Kojak and all, like that looks like a painting that I've seen before. And I wondered if that was supposed mm-hmm. to be like a reference because they've done that. Um, they've they've done references to paintings in this show. I mean, especially even with like Glenn doing his his actual paintings, is they've they have like his paintings about like that he dreamed 
were actual like I felt like there's at least one of them that was a reference to a real life painting. And I so I wondered it like was, if anyone knew that at the end with like the lighthouse. I I feel like I've I've seen that shot. I didn't before. recognize that, but it's possible. Are you sure it wasn't one of Glenn's paintings like in the background <laughs> or something? No, no, seriously. Like maybe Glenn yeah. did paint that or something. Like in the oh, background. actually, that's a it. good point. I, yeah, I don't know. I I would have to go back. That would be pretty amazing although now that, that that you're saying that i'm just imagining it like zooming out and it's like glenn painting and he like turns the camera and winks. <laughs> glenn's the glenn, ghost of glenn. glenn suddenly alive there's like no explanation he's just yeah, there like, wait, the ghost of glenn um uh, okay nightmares what did we hate i will start um i well mother abigail mural <laughs> i wrote um and, but i just i hated scary. the i thought the dance like had good energy like the sort of you know hoedown in boulder but and i just hated it's different music I would have picked different music and I, it, so the DJ wasn't doing his job, but I also just thought, I just hated how Americana it was. Like, it's yeah. just such a, to me, it's, it's just a very outdated idea of what America is. Um, this like square dance kind of bullshit. And it just, it just felt very kind of hokey and picnicky to me. And I was like joking. I'm just like, why can't they, I don't know. I was like, cause I'm, I was, it was a picnic. I was annoyed. I know I was annoyed about it, but then I asked myself, yeah. I'm like, well, what do you want? Like, do you want them like in a club, like golf yeah, play Cardi B like or whatever beating yourself up about it? Like, what, what do you want? Randall? What do you what really do you want? want from Randall? This? Obviously no, I was just laughing. I'm just like, what do I want? Like, you know, like ACDC playing or something. I don't know. It just I want the weekends like blinding lights playing when they're like, yeah, uh, you know. yeah they hit big guns. ACDC big guns from last action hero. Came in here. Uh, and then I also just wrote down, I just hated when, uh, kid kid a was like give me some space Stuart. i don't know right. i hated that too. and so i hated it anyways uh mike what did you hate so i mean i obviously did not like any of the kid a stuff for reasons we've already outlined but one of the things and i guess i i wouldn't i don't know if i'd say i hated this but it did make me laugh was when you see Stu driving alone like uh singing elvis's burning love I couldn't help but think of like Ken Marino singing while driving the van before he crashes yeah. it in Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer. Because <laughs> he's just like, he's like singing the Elvis and then all of a sudden like the tire breaks, he's like, oh crap or whatever. And it literally reminded the part where he's just like, eh, honey, when I love, no, bullshit. So like that made me, uh, that like took me out of it because I was actually like really tense the whole time, but I was just like, oh God, it just seems so like, all right, you got to do something before this car breaks down. Um, but yeah, that's all I got really. I mean, I, I, everything else is pretty much done. Uh, Mac, what did you hate? Oh, can only say one or two things. <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't going to say a whole lot. Actually, it's funny because one of my things was something that, that Jen was thought it was a good thing. It was a, it was a, a dream. Um, but I, I would have liked it like that if they'd done it as a as a very it'll like the last scene. But I didn't like <laughs> when they they go through the rubble and they show the button and it like winks at the camera. It's like breaking the fourth wall like right before the credits. I was like, Aww. what? A, what? I was like, so not only do we already now we know flags out there. Like so when they shows up, we're not surprised. And then he doesn't. We're not surprised when he shows up at the end too. It's like they do it like three times in the episode. I thought that was weird. Mm -hmm. um, never die. And then we've talked about some a lot of the stuff that just didn't really work with the episode. I I, I can't think of anything else other than what what you mentioned. And, and yeah, the mural I thought was quite frightening. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's looming really over scary. those children. I was like, I was like, couldn't we? I was like, I guess we only have so many artists left. So. <laughs> that is Glenn's true. gone. Glenn's gone. Yeah, the way Glenn. Glenn was dinosaur, our painter. So, um, Jen, any nightmares for you in this episode that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah. 
Um, and it's actually one of your dreams, Randall, so I'm sorry. Man, Whoa. I fucking hate line dancing. I was watching that. I texted you that, Mike. Yeah. I was, it, it's probably my Nashville bias coming out, but I was like, man, that's why I don't go downtown in Nashville. That's why I don't go to Wild Horse. Like, I just hated that. And I think you're right. Like, it really leaned into the Americana conservative. Yep, like, okay, we got to get the, the old parents on board. Yeah, I just... Uh, that whole scene like I would have left Boulder too I will say I thought it was funny Stu was really good at line dancing and everyone else sucked at it did you notice that yeah. I know <laughs> you know and they drive out of town and everybody like stomps on their cowboy hats and they're like thank god we don't have to line dance like, anymore oh my god. yeah that would have been hilarious like, like, oh my god like Stu's, Stu's gone like, they, like Stu's been holding the mouse the orgies start <laughs> the whole time like he's standing behind the DJ like alright now we're gonna put on some Chris games <laughs> Twilight's boy. <laughs> um, anything else, uh, Jen? All right, nah, cool. Nah. Other than the th- stuff. <laughs> Other than all that stuff. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, on that note, let's move over to the cemetery. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all. Welcome to the cemetery. This is where we talked about what spooked us. And I'm not sure we'll have probably a ton of episodes. It's not a particularly scary episode. But I will say uh, the way that Franny falling in the well with the rat biting her hand and then... um, and then the just the actual fall was filmed really well. Like it mm-hmm. that it like made me cringe. And because of course I'm just thinking about like her head hitting the side of it, which is like so scary to me. And then I'll but then the actual fall I thought was filmed really, really well. So that was my that was my lone contribution to the cemetery. I you know, we talked we, we talked about the the obviously the, the lingering tension, and I love how Josh Boone shifts mm-hmm. between like the omniscient narrator and then also you know, whoever is behind the the Rose of Corn. One thing that really kind of got under my skin thinking about it was that, yes, I was very like excited and, and, and it did make me yearn to like go travel and hit the road, which I'm dying to do. Um, but it also made me wonder, like the concept of a post Vegas world is like is it, it is liberating, but it's also really disconcerting. Um, yeah, because when you you know, they mentioned that like 500 people came into Boulder post February, like after the winners. So you have to assume that there are other people out there and then there are also other flag followers out there kind of like the nazis in argentina almost like mm-hmm. so i wouldn't be imagine i wouldn't be surprised if like it's it, i'm surprised that like actually that king hasn't done more short stories about that like being these like pockets of just like really weird things that could be happening because i mean just imagine the possibilities like you, the world is over and obviously we see a lot of that with regards to the journey to Boulder with, you know, the zoo and whatnot. But the the idea of this battle being done and this just empty world, like, God, it's like the, it's like the worst nightmare for agoraphobics out there. Right. Mm. And so that, 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 that idea of like, yeah, we're going to go drive to Boulder or not Boulder uh, to Agunquit, And we're going to just go, across this country where no one's there like it's already pretty unnerving to drive across country currently but to have all of mm-hmm. that now it's it, it, it the, the the idea of it really got 
it made me think of like the scope of the situation for the first time probably throughout the whole series. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that was quite The thing that I thought about that was like that medicine is going to expire. Yeah. Like the medicine that you get at the store like you you are completely on your own and ta- when she was talking about like having five more children or four more or something I was like that's you're doing that on your own, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to get some books and stuff, you know. So. Cool. Jen, did anything spook you? Yeah, there were two things, and they're both related. And um, part of why I was crying so hard at the beginning of this episode, when the first time that we see Franny, and she's reading these, she's reading her diary that she's writing, and we see her without a baby and without, and she's not pregnant. And I was like, oh shit, they're going to kill the baby. And like my stomach dropped. And then when she's holding the baby and the first time the baby coughs, that mm, really got to yeah. me. And I don't know if it just reminded me of like having young kids and like being terrified that they were going to get sick. But those, those moments really got mm-hmm. to me. And that's when the baby was okay. Like, man, that was, that was some ugly crying. Both times <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> Mac, anything scare you? Or did anything keep you up at night? Make you fill your pants? <laughs> I don't know about either of those things, but no, I, I already talked about, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like they did a really good job with the suspense. And I think it was just because, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And, 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 and I, I, although we kind of posited that maybe they'll get the main, I was just like, what are they going to do? So um, all the just just even just them being on the road before they were even doing the suspenseful corn stuff, I was genuinely like, is something going to show up? Is something bad going to happen to them like that we're not thinking of? Like, I, even when Franny, like, fell down the well, I really thought, are, are they going to kill Franny in this version? <laughs> like, and, and, mm-hmm. and be, like, the Job thing. Like, like look, just because y'all won doesn't mean you get to live, like, a happy life. Stu's now going to go on with this baby. And, like, that's shit happens. That's the real world. I was just like, yeah. man, what are they going to So I really, I, I felt like they... I was very, it was very suspenseful episode, um, mm-hmm. but, but didn't they establish the stakes. Well, yeah. 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 Well, cool. I, I think we have a handful of things to discuss in our next section. King's dominion. There's another world out there. I know there is. Here in King's dominion, we talk about connections to other King works. We've been light on them. Uh, over the last several episodes, but I think we've got a handful to discuss here. I've got some deep cut ones, so maybe Room 237s, but I'm excited to discuss those. But uh, what are the big ones? I mean, we've already mentioned some corn uh, and the children therein. So uh, did anyone expect Isaac to walk out <laughs> with his little hat on? <laughs> what if they had a CGI Isaac from like the actual original movie? Yeah, Outlander! Yeah. That would have been fun. Like walks out just like, um, <laughs> I uh, the the turtle at yeah. the house. Yeah, yeah. Matt Matteran showing up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah when they pull window. up to the house, uh, there's a little there's a, like right <laughs> right in the screen right in the frame is the turtle. Um, little like mature statue. I thought I liked that. Why didn't the turtle help her when uh, she fell in the well? Yeah, I, I, think, had she, I, think, I think the girl turtle. was actually <laughs> supposed to be Maturin. Maturin would be born. What if what if it like she like looks up and she sees like this like little nub? It's like what the hell is that? And it's like the fucking figurine that's like tossing her like and then Maturin tries to Maturin tries to talk talk to her you like through his mind yeah but it's it's so earth shattering she dies anyways she she can't handle the psychic connection. Um, 
So obviously we mentioned the well, a uh, very strong king, uh, King's Dominion there from both, you know, the um, yeah. Gerald's game and Dolores Claiborne. But then also there is a whole well section in the stand, the girl who uh, when Stephen King is exploring yeah. the various uh, people who died from non-captain trips, like yeah. who survived captain trips, but died in other ways. There's a young girl who falls into a well and dies. One of the more sad. dire, sad parts of the book. Yeah. yeah. And um, so there was those aspects. Uh, and then obviously we mentioned the holsters, uh, obviously hard not to think of the gunslinger. I uh, which was yeah very charming and then um uh i got a couple like kind of crazy ones but were there any other obvious ones that you guys saw oh, yeah bring them uh the radio channel is no. on 19. oh yeah. oh i didn't, didn't notice, notice that when it focuses on the radio when Stu's trying to get a hold of franny Uh-oh. jen what do you have yeah well there's god is cruel which is something that we hear a lot in desperation yeah. um yeah. Um, and then Mick Garris mm-hmm. shows up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice smile. I know. <laughs> Mick. Yeah. I hope we got, I I hope we got a hamburger deep... there or something. Like, you know, he just shows up for the fucking talking to like the person cooking the meal. Like, I mean, I don't know. I have a couple of deep cuts. Bring ones. it. Okay. Well, this, this is not a connection to Stephen King, but it is a connection to Halloween. Um, when her leg is broken, it reminds me of her in Halloween H2O with her leg like hanging because Michael Myers oh. crushed it in the thing. Like the angle of the I, toe I pointing out. Too, yeah. uh, what do you oh, got? Oh, yeah? Jody Leno keeps. Yeah, Jody Leno keeps. Another Halloween connect. Uh, oh. Really? The, the doctor's name is Dr. Wynn. Oh, maybe the episode, I was like, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe someone taught this baby how to drive. Uh. <laughs> well, I think with two, it can't be a coincidence. Yeah. I think that was intended. Uh, they're starting to cold a thorn in Boulder. Like, <laughs> as I was saying, that's why Stu got out. I think he knew. Um, he did, all right, yeah. guys, uh, Halloween's over. So, so um, I got, I got a couple of wild ones. Uh, Randall Flag mentions that. Um, Franny has one of her ribs has punctured her lung. That is the same thing that happens to Buddy. Uh, what's his name? God, no. Repperton? Repperton in Christine. Because oh, wow. I, I used to read that book at my grandma's when I was a kid. Uh, and I would flip to the bloody parts. I've talked about that in the pod. And But I remember that was always really dark to me was when buddy like it says that his his rib is punctured his heart or no his lung then he was like coughing up blood and everything and that was so like visceral to me when i was a kid it really scared me so uh so just when he said that i'm like that's such a king thing and i feel like Mm -hmm. he's put that in other things too but um but i have a few more but did anyone else have any so this the convenience store that Stu goes to did you see the title Uh -uh. i was trying or the name of it it's lot five which is not quite lot six but at that from Firestarter. Oh, new favorite obsession book. Yeah. So I don't know. I was trying to find if they reference uh, yeah, not we, five because surely like there are five yeah. exists. You don't start with six. So, yeah. You know. We 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 accept and love room two three seven connections. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so exactly. The more well, you got to reach, one. the better. You know. Okay. Well, no, I'm that's glad you though, said yeah. that because. <laughs> oh, you got another. You got a, another room two three seven. Oh yeah, this is a real stretch. Um, so when Franny is talking about whether they should let the baby suffer or not, I was like, that's like Darabont's missed ending. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, I could see that. Because he turns out being. Yeah, okay. I um. The, uh, yeah. I I have one that's pretty wild, but like so, uh, Whoopi says that <laughs> Whoopi, not, Whoopi not mother a <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg makes an appearance which is really confusing because we already know her as a I different know. character she's holding her Oscar from like ghost <laughs> you know, like, yeah. 
She's like, yeah, me and Rick Avilas worked on Ghost. He was in the 94 stand, you know. Um, great guy. I was guy. for the shadow people to come and take Franny away. Uh, oh, um, so Whoopi basically tells Franny how many kids she's going to have. And it reminded me of the end of... The thing is, I don't remember if it's in the book, but it is in the movie where Leland Gaunt tells Polly how many kids she's going to have and like basically talks to her about and it becomes this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy almost where it's like because he said it does that mean it's true or is that how it's going to happen and it reminded Mm. me of just when they bring up that conversation at the end when she tells Stu she's like how would you feel about four more kids and he's just like "Eh, let's do two more and um yeah that just made me laugh because uh it just reminded me of that because we I remember we talked about it on our needful things episode uh that's what it was because I was wondering where I I thought about that because I was like I feel like I've heard that before was it in the stand I'm pretty sure that's in the book too of Needful Things. Yeah, I remember being around Interesting. that Interesting, okay. Yeah. Cool. And then I have one more room 237 and I think a lot of it has to do because I'm reading the regulators right now. So I'm not gonna, it's oh, not okay. a big spoiler oh, okay. or anything, but that moment when Stu is like, oh, throw a lasso around the moon and it's like quoting a song or whatever. But there, I will just say that there is a connection between the moon and sort of Western cowboy culture in the regulators. That to me is one of the more like evocative images in the book. And I'm a big fan of it. And we'll talk about it on the episode. Uh, so yeah, that, that to me, I don't, I doubt it was conscious, but it was, definitely something that crossed my mind yeah um yeah. we mentioned uh the wheel keeps turning they mentioned that a couple yeah. times the cause of wheel and uh my room 237 Uh-oh. we're in maine we're, we're back in maine baby we're yeah. stones throw away from 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 lud we've got kojak on board Let's get oh, some no. Kuj in here. What are you saying? <laughs> it's a setup. This whole ending is a setup for a sequel series it's about how Kojak turns Kuj. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Nadine. Kujo and, and Nadine. Kujo and Nadine. And is it all connected? <laughs> you know, Hockett. Yeah, I'd it's like, it. yeah, I'm telling you, this, is, this got bought up by Disney Plus. It's all like Marvel <laughs> Universe. What if you like, what if you could zone in on the lighthouse and there's like, a, a malt like a fucking bloody nasty dog looking down at Stu and Franny <laughs> like in the top window <laughs> of the could... lighthouse like it's at the top of yeah. the lighthouse <laughs> like ready to just pounce on him and you hear him say <laughs> I love that Cujo I love that Cujo always talks in Max stories I can't, <laughs> yes. I, can't I can't even I can't even get it out. Uh, you shouldn't have come back here, Stu. Uh, nobody I mean, comes to my lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> nobody comes to my lighthouse. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. And pushes us around. Uh, okay. What if he jumps off the lighthouse what, and freezes? What if it really ended there? What if <laughs> they didn't go to the flag scene. They went to that. You're setting up for Would a new that? season of Castle Would you still Rock? like the show? Would you still like the show? I would, after the credits, it, after the well, credits, came if, back. If, if they yeah. queued up REMs, it's the end of the world, and we see Cujo stare, <laughs> staring outside of the lighthouse, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, we got to throw Church, church in there, too. Yeah, Church is there. Mike, you talked about that. You talked <laughs> about emulating that photo. Yeah. Someone's gonna. Someone's now going to go, and they're going to oh, paint. I so. Oh, I hope so. Paint yeah. over the shot shoulder, uh, uh, of Cujo looking over, looking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Cujo's last... Last week we joked around about you know Randall uh, looking like Junior and Touch of Gray, one of our Instagram <laughs> followers, did an actual post. Thank you so much for that. I, I've always wondered oh, what I look like fans, pregnant. Man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay, uh, I think on, on that note, let's head over to a little section we call Final Thoughts. Dad, can we go now? You ready? 
Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. He said that a half hour ago. Yeah, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he's writing. Here in Final Thoughts, we share our Pennywise Clown Nose rankings. <laughs> what an absurd <laughs> sentence. I know. We share our Pennywise Clown Nose rankings and our MVP. And let's do it for both the series and the episode. Uh, and our MVP for both this episode and the series. So I'll start. Uh, this episode, I'm going to give three and a half bright red Pennywise Clown Noses, which is perhaps generous. But uh, the really my big issue was with basically all the Kid A stuff, which was a huge part of the episode and the themes and everything. But I'm going to give it the, you know, give it a little bit of leeway because I thought the rest of the episode was was pretty affecting and interesting. And it was fun to sort of see a new uh, ending from King, even if there was some corny aspects to it. But overall, I enjoyed it. My MVP of this episode is going to be Mr. Alexander Skarsgård, who I have not been able to give an MVP to despite wanting to. But no. he really does here get to uh, kick some ass and and have fun with the character, which I feel like he hasn't really been able to have that much fun with the character. So, um, and my MVP for the entire series will come as no surprise. His name is Ezra Miller as the trash can man. I'm just kidding. Um, Mr. Oh, Owen Teague, uh, you're a gem. And gem. I love you as Harold. You gave, like, if I can say anything about this series, which is just going to feed into my ranking, is it gave me the perfect Harold story. Like, it gave yeah. me the Harold story I kind of always wanted. And that's my favorite character. So that's going to score a lot of points. But I mean, so I don't know. I'm going to give it three bright red Pennywise clown noses as a whole, um, lots of stuff I didn't love, but lots of stuff I, like when I did love something in the series and we've, you know, obviously go listen to our old episodes. Uh, when I really loved it, I really loved it. And I, I think they got Harold right. And that was, a, and Franny right. And so I think those are two important characters and they did, they did that. So thumbs up. Um, yeah. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go next. Uh, cause I, I, cause I think you guys are going to give it better. And then a good note. We'll go out on a high note. Um, the episode, I'm going to, I probably give the episode, I'll give it like two and a half bright red. No, I'll give it three bright All red right. Pennywise clown noses because I felt like for the most part, I did enjoy it. It was new. It was fresh. I was really, I was invested. I was interested. I thought Franny and Scars, you know, Odessa and Scars did a great job. Everybody was doing good. It wasn't like a performance issue or anything like that. Um, and, you know, I, I, they got a lot of stuff right in this last episode, but in terms of the series, I felt it was all a little too late, too little, too late. And um, although I felt like it, the show was entertaining all the way through as a Stephen King fan, if you're not a Stephen King fan, I can't imagine you really loving it. Um, and but for me, I just I, I just didn't resonate. I felt like there were things that I liked about it that they got they did get right. But I'm sorry if if one thing's working in one in an episode that's okay or not that great, and you get eight episodes of that, I just it just didn't just didn't land for me. I mean, mm. the first episode I thought was fantastic, but a lot of that hinged on the idea that they were gonna do more of that going forward, like take more chances, be like kind of ballsy, and and even though they did take some chances, I, I feel like even at the end though, the last couple episodes, I someone just watched, rewatched the miniseries recently and told me, oh, it's kind of like it's kind of like beat for beat the miniseries at one point, they kind of just like go back to the book. And I felt like that was a mistake. So I'm going to give the series itself two, <laughs> two, two bright red Pennywise clown noses. And your MVPs for both the series and the episode. 
the episode uh, I'm going to give, I like Scars, but I'm going to give it to Franny. I felt like she just had so much, there was just so much like good Franny in that episode. Uh, I thought Odessa oh, Young was really, really solid um, and got the shine there at the end. The, sh- um, the shine. And for the series, <laughs> she had the shine. Uh, and for the series, um, some, I know everybody thought I was going to say, uh, you know, Kojak, Joe. but... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Owen Teague, man. Even though he's not even in the last like few episodes, he still owned it in this series. I thought that was the, the, the best thing we got out of this was do what they did Harold right. And that's that's the two start, the two noses for me. Uh, Jen, what is your Pennywise Clown nose ranking for the episode and the series? Okay, so for this episode, I am going to give it um, four bright red Pennywise Clown noses. I think I am... The reason I think I'm being generous is because if you're going to pick any character and anything to double down on in King's overall canon, it's Franny and a well like those. It just really worked for me. It really resonated with me so much that I could overlook a lot of the flaws. Um, my MVP for this episode is Odessa Young, mm-hmm. hands down. Um, thought she was fantastic. Um, and she I just love her in general. Like uh, watch Assassination Nation and watch Shirley. Like she's amazing and I love her. Um for the series as a whole, I think I'm going to go back to, I think what I said for the first episode, like my biggest problem with this series, other than like Nadine and Mm -hmm. Vegas is that I wanted more, you know? And I, I think that's kind of a good problem to have. I just wish, because I think some of those problems would have been solved with more. Like if we'd have more time to flesh it out, I feel like we would have seen a lot more of the nuance and it wouldn't have been so cut and dry. And I feel like with more space, they could have figured out what Nadine's character is supposed to be doing and who she is. And, you know, so I'm going to give the series as a whole, um, Three and a half, I think. And I also, like, kind of, Randall, what you were talking about at the beginning of the episode, I'm sad yeah, to see I am it too. go, you know? And I feel like for, to not to be overly schmaltzy, but, like, this is one of the first things that I think for this podcast that I've been from the beginning to the end. And it's just been really fun to watch these yeah. guys and talk about it and, like, text about it. And, you know, so that's that means a lot to me, too. And I think that kind of colors how I see mm, the series. Yeah. So. Cool. MVPs? Oh, wait, you already did your MVPs. Oh, MVP for the series is Owen Teague. Okay, the man himself. The man himself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mike, what is your Uh, Pennywise Clown's rankings and MVPs? Well, I mean, I I thought this coda really, really felt necessary. I mean, when you think about the ebbs and flows of this story, you really do need the calm after the storm. And especially since we didn't get this Stu and Tom journey. So, you know, like we said, you know, if you're, you swap one journey for the other and, and I'm, and, and I'm glad we got this one because I think it's a better compromise. I think that, you know, obviously you'll hear this in our discussion with Benjamin Cavell, but like I, what I love about this coda is kind of how it fits seamlessly with the actual book. And I already mentioned that in this episode uh, itself, but like, you know, granted it's because King wrote it, but it's also just thematically in sync with everything else that King has already put into the pages. So I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I love it for that. And then I also think it hits like multiple birds with one stone. I mean, you get some much needed closure with Franny, which, you know, not only just with Odessa Young's portrayal, but also with Franny, the character itself, which is a huge plus. So as, as, as like constant readers, even separate from like us being fans of the series, like that's a big win for mm-hmm. us, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get a little more glimpses into the world post Vegas. I mean, like we kind of glossed over, but like 
the fact that we confirm the fucking fate of the baby is a huge thing. Like that's something that we don't even really get in the pages. And like, we don't really even mm-hmm. understand. Like, I mean, the biggest mystery with constant readers for the longest time, is like, well, is there going to be life after the, the Vegas incidents, you know, like, and it's mm-hmm. kind of left vague. And which is one of the reasons why so many people get upset about the ending of the stand. And, and I guess you could kind of make the argument that since King wrote this, now it's kind of canon. Like that is the answer yeah. for the stand in a way, yeah. um, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then we also got to get some, you know, clarity on flag where he is. I mean, like we mentioned about him washing up on the shore, you know, until now, like we really didn't know that it was our world. Like they, we really, like if you go back to the, the, the pages, like, you know, there are a lot of people that think that it was supposed to be like another world that he showed up in. And I mean, that's kind of how I took it when I yeah. read it. I thought that like he actually went to another universe, kind of like the dark tower, especially in hindsight. Cause I, the most recent read, you know, most recent read was after I read the dark tower. So I just imagine he just flipped over to another world. So that all that stuff, when you're looking at it as a constant reader is really exciting. And, and honestly, that's kind of like a great silver lining to it. So, um, and also it's just a riveting bottle episode. So I, I, you know, obviously this, the kid a stuff is really pl- problematic, which definitely lowers the score down, but I'm giving it yeah. f- uh, four bright red penny. noses, And, um, I think the MVP of the episode is scars guard. Like you said, uh, Randall, this is the first time you really get to see something great. I think the MVP of the season is actually a tie. I think Owen Teague and Odessa young mm-hmm. just like together are just a yeah. really great package. Um, and overall series grade, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I've, uh, you know, I look back and I'm like, I, I pretty much by episode two, I think I already beat the horse into a dead pulp, like, with me saying, like, I want this to be a multi-season show. I want it to be this multi-season show. But, like, I mean, it's kind of great, the stuff that we did get. Like, we actually got Harold's story told right. And now we actually got yeah. Franny's story told right, which if you had told me things coming into this that i would expect like that those are the things i would least expect especially since we were mm-hmm. kind of a little i mean randall's the only one that actually felt like confident with ont because we all were like well he's a little tall and he's a little you know he's kind of hunky but he just it was a total surprise mm-hmm. so i mean that the coda um i love the needle drops i, I thought there's some outstanding performances <laughs> all throughout this series uh, you know, Catherine McNamara, uh, Brad William Hankey, I thought was awesome. Greg Kinnear, Marsden, even Adepo, um, with a little bit we get with Larry. I mean, all of it screams what I said I wasn't going to do, which is I wanted more. Like what you're saying, like I, I wanted the season. It makes me go like, what if, what if, what if? Like, could you imagine if we got all of these elements into a long three season show? It's just, it's always going to be a what if to me. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, you know, I'll never shake that feeling. So, but even then it's like what we've all said, this has been a fun experience. I've, I, I enjoy it for what it is and the silver linings we got out of it are things I'll be able to cherish forever. So with, for that, I give this three and a half, um, bright way, Pennywise, clown noses all together. So that's the big bang. Nice. Yeah, man. The end of, uh, the end of an era, the yeah. Stan miniseries. Yeah. We've been talking about it for years and now we are done covering it. Ugh. Next up, uh, if you're, if you are a Patreon subscriber, we would love it if you would become one, if you are not. And if you become one, then you can listen in on our upcoming bag of bones episode, not the book. It's a Q and a, uh, it's a mailbag episode where you guys send us questions. We talk and it's always a lot of fun. Some of my favorite episodes to record. And then we're going to hop into our series on desperate and the regulators so buckle up for that stay tuned to our socials on twitter instagram and facebook and uh yeah and fi- find us on patreon at uh, uh patreon.com slash the barons mike what are you gonna say 
Oh no, I was just going to say if you couldn't remember the the, the URL, <laughs> I was going to hop on there. <laughs> also, please, please look. We just gave a shitload of bright red Pennywise clown noses to these uh, episodes. Please give us bright red Pennywise clown noses for these episodes. Yes, these recaps on, on iTunes, yeah. yes. wherever you listen, <laughs> wherever you rate podcasts. Uh, please leave us a good review. We could use it uh, because some people are mean and um, they're ran- little Randall flags. And, uh, <laughs> they're little ones and so Look, you know yeah. uh-huh. Cooge is in that lighthouse and he's watching you <laughs> stay tuned we'll for more on... for more uh, more Cooge lighthouse bits and um, yeah let's sign off long days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights Consequence Podcast Network.